the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times. You know that I'm the cream for the crop. It doesn't matter what your name is. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I tore them all down. And I came here for one reason. To attack and keep coming. I did this for the rock. You will rest in peace. I asked you a million times to join the NWO or you would be born. Lie! Uh, shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Bang-bang. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania run wild on you? And that's the bottom line. had surgery this uh she was told it was at 11 okay so we get there at like 8 30 you know get there early get it in get it done so they they bring her back it's like 11 15 finally and i'm like what the fuck is going on they're like oh no we had you scheduled for two hmm. dude we didn't get home till the, the first of all the freaking place was an hour and a half away and it was just, it has been a long fucking day. We got back here about 5.30. Um, but I did miss a little bit of AEW, which I, I know you can fill me in on. Um, 
So when we get to that, I'll let you know. I did miss a little bit. I had to go pick up the kids. Uh, she can't be driving. She's still a little groggy from everything. Right. Yeah. I really, really didn't want her in a, in my car, especially. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I'm glad that you're you know that's priorities keeping the most important things safe. Your car. Um, yeah. The other things, I guess. I mean, it's a new car. Yeah, I don't want to. Uh... <laughs> it's a new car. It's an old wife, but it's a new car. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a new car. I don't want to get the. I don't want to fuck up my car. Is all I'm saying. Uh, well, there's, there's still a warranty. I, I feel like you know. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, there is, there is. That's 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 something. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, it's just been a long day. I missed a little bit of AEW, having to go pick up the kids and everything. Um, but uh, otherwise, been a pretty decent week. Kind of a Kind of a slow news week. There's a there's some quick stuff for us to get into, um, and uh, that's really about it. There's not a ton of uh, really newsy news to get into, but there's some quick things to get into. Um, and I am working on one computer here, which I'm also not used to. So I don't even think I have plugs on this computer. But uh, let's see. I can. I should be able to do it from memory by now. Uh, <laughs> You would think, right? Yeah. You would think I can. So why don't we see if I can? Anyway, let's go ahead right here. Let's start off with the high marks. That's right. You got Cheese Man. You've got Mojo. You've got G-Wiz. You should be checking them out on the Metal Mitt Podcast Network. That's right. Mixler.com slash Metal Mitt Podcast Network. You should be already over there checking them out. If you are not, what are you crazy Sundays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can check out those guys right there. And don't forget, it's also subscribe to the Inhumans, Bobby Anthem and Bobby Blades on the Inhuman Experience. Go ahead and check them out wherever you get podcasts from. And, of course, Eric over there on the Everything Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. Check them out on the Everything Unscripted Network over there on Blog Talk Radio or wherever you get podcasts from. And, of course, that brings us to the Mr. Share the Show, Stephen Milan. It's greatly appreciated, sir. And find him on Letterboxd, B-O-X-D.com slash Stephen Milan, two L's in that last name, Milan. And I got Hollywood Hangout this week. Be back 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday. Back and forth on a few movies. I'm going to, uh, I got a couple in mind I'm going to do, and um, I'll figure it out from there. Smark, let it rip, my man. You got it. Mondays, 8.30 p.m. on the Metal Mid Podcast Network. It is Cheese on Sports with Cheese Man, G-Wiz, Luke Birch, Matt with two T's, and myself. Bonus edition this Sunday, if you'd like to join us, we will be watching the Super Bowl or the big game, I guess. I don't have the sort of attorneys and manpower to take on the NFL, so we're going to go ahead and call that the big game <laughs> so I don't get sued. But uh, if you want to watch the wink, wink, big game, you can join us on the Metal Mid Podcast Network on Mixler, as well as, of course, Mondays, 8.30 p.m. And I was given a message to relay to you guys from one Dirk. I like to plug their podcast. I will just go ahead and read it as it was sent to me. We're no longer the Mo Dirk City Machine Guns. We are now Mojo and Dirk's most dastardly show. And we do not do 2.30 p.m. anymore. We pre-record shows now which is a wise thing to do. Skype <laughs> and Mixler are very difficult to operate. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. So there you go. Mo Dirk, uh, shitty machine guns are no more. It is Mojo and Dirk's most dastardly show. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts in case there is any mystery as to where one might acquire a podcast. There you go. 
podcast. And last but not least, be sure to check out our friends at Planet Raccoon Tour, the Planet Raccoon Tour podcast with Bobby Anthem, Papa Dave, Sincere, and Yuck Nasty. All 16 episodes of season one are available right now for your listening pleasure and the pleasure it will be, as well as season two, which is rolling out as we speak. So be sure to subscribe. All right. So there you go, everybody. All right. Plugs are done. Plugs are done. That means we can do this. We can stop that. We can get in here. Like I said, I'm working on one computer, folks. I'm not used to this. I'm sorry. But hey, I didn't need uh, I didn't need to pull up the plugs to do them. That's pretty good. I like that. There you go. Hey, look at that. I have a memory left. Obviously, obviously not smoking enough weed. Uh, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can never smoke enough. I try to. So there's that. Um, anyway, I guess we can go ahead and get into a few things here. Uh, once again, things I'm not going to spend too much time on. We will uh, just hit this really quick. Um, former AWA Women's Champion Candy Divine, uh, real name Candice Rummel, has uh, passed away at the age of 63. Passed away in hospice care. Um, she actually had suffered a seizure and collapsed a lung last year in 2021, recovered from all that, suffered a fall a few months later, fractured her back, which led to her being hospitalized, collapsed in a store just in November and hospitalized again, back in the hospital earlier this month with liver damage and some brain damage from the seizures. And I guess everything just finally got to her. Um, she first got into wrestling. She was actually running a Lanny Poffo fan club. That fan club has gotten bigger since I'm sure. And she was also a ring girl for the Poffo family in the ICW promotion in, in uh, out there in Kentucky. Smart made her rare pro debut in 1976. And, um, I mean, she's had feuds with, uh, Sherry Medusa among more people there. But, um, you know, I, I got to admit, I don't remember a bunch of her, much of her work at all. But um, I do remember her. I do remember her. And uh, it's pretty sad. 63 is uh, not exactly old anymore. Right. Yeah. You said hospice and then you said 63. I was like, oof, that seems like that's still a bit young for hospice. But then when you Just... described everything that had happened, it kind of made more sense. Yeah. I mean, that that's why I wanted to kind of go over what had happened to her because literally it was like, I mean, one thing after another. And then, you know, she had the seizure, the fall, the collapsed lung. She had this. It was like, oh, my God. Like, I, I, I got to be honest. How much can one person take? Oh, yeah. I mean, the human body isn't made to just be beat to hell like that, especially with, you know, back injuries and seizures. and Yeah. I mean, on top of whatever, you know, the injuries like accumulated throughout a career in the wrestling business. I mean, that's not easy in its own right. No, not at all. So, you know, just... I guess just everything, and uh, yeah, only 63 years old, uh, did pass away, and uh, obviously, you know, very sad, and uh, like I said, 63 is just not old anymore, I mean, it, it's still up there, but it's not old anymore, especially not old enough to be passing away, and uh, just a horrible story, and again, I started reading all that stuff, and I'm like, my God, this girl was like snake bit, it was ridiculous what was going on with this poor woman. Yeah, for sure. But... Uh, did want to at least mention that I didn't want to uh, 
just let it pass because it just happened, uh, I think, uh, yesterday or this morning. So Yeah, it has been very recently. I, I did see that as well while looking for yeah. news for today. Yeah, so I wanted to get into that real quick. And, you know, we've been kind of uh, smart. We've been starting this show with some Freddie Prince Jr. stories. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I have another one. I, I, I don't know why I like starting with these stories, but I really do. Um, it's fucking, it, it's pretty, he tells some pretty good stories. I actually, I need to hear him tell them. I really do. I need to check this podcast out. I've it's, said that before too. And I, I, this is one of those things that just, I actually sincerely do want to listen to his podcast. There's some things where it's like, yeah, I got to check that out. It's like, there's no way in hell I'm going to. But this has just been more of like, I forget to do it versus not wanting to do it. Yeah. Now it's wrestling with Freddie. It is on the, I, it's, it's on iHeart. So if you guys do want to check it out, he is over there on the, on iHeart, so you can hear him right hear him right there. But um, he tells a story about how you're not allowed to poop on the WWE jet. <laughs> so he it kind of seems like a, like it would be the right thing to do, just out of consideration for everyone else that's on that jet. If you're on a jet, in theory, you're going to be getting to wherever you need to go in a rather hasty manner. So I'm like, maybe you just hold it for a minute. Well, what if you're going overseas? This is true. And you're on the private jet, which is he was on the WWE jet riding with Vince McMahon. He was talking about a few stories on there, and um. He tells he first tells a story about how he was just trying to relax one day on the plane. They were leaving Cleveland uh, or going to Cleveland. I don't know where they were going from. He says, so we're flying to Cleveland. Freddie explains, I'm starting to relax a bit. And the plane is no joke. It's 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 work all the time. I mean, all the time. He said, I remember once I opened my laptop and I had downloaded one of Richard Pryor's specials, Richard Pryor Live on Sunset Strip, which I believe is actually Richard Pryor's first special. Um, this was after his accident, he says. I believe this was one of his first specials. He had been humbled big time after that. I opened it. I'm watching it about 10 minutes in, and I feel like this firm thump on my shoulder. I turn around, and Vince goes, what are you doing? I go, what do you mean? I'm watching Richard Pryor. He goes, why? We're watching WrestleMania. Yeah, from last year, man. I, I saw it. He goes, yeah, but you've seen that too. He goes, Freddie Prince goes, yeah, but this makes me laugh. He goes, come on, come watch WrestleMania. So I legit turn off my laptop, go watch WrestleMania from a year ago with Vince, and there was no one else in there. He's just making me watch it. <laughs> so... That's the first story he tells. And then he tells, he starts talking about how he was on the jet another time and he was immediately called into Michael P.S.'s, Michael P.S. Hayes's office about another urgent matter. So he calls him Freebird uh, in this. He goes, Freebird calls me into his office, Michael Hayes. Uh, he says, Freddie, I got to ask you a question. And he looks concerned. I go, what's up, man? And he goes, you didn't... Uh, you didn't take a poop on Vince's plane, did you? I said, what are you talking about? He said, there's no poops on the plane. I said, of course I didn't. What are you talking about, man? I didn't even use the restroom. He goes, well, someone did, and I have to find out who. And he's not. he said he's not laughing. He's pissed off when he says this, 
What kind of job assignment is that? Freddie says, I've got to find out who took a shit on the, my boss's plane. So he starts talking about how he can't believe Michael P.S. Hayes has to go around and find out who took a poop on the plane and actually have to discipline this person. Uh, Freddie said he, he did know who it was, but he, he, he never disclosed who it was. Um, <laughs> Michael Hayes never knew. <laughs> but Freddie knows. Freddie knows who pooped on the plane. You can't poop on Vince's plane. Okay, so you can't sneeze. Nope. You have to watch whatever Vince is watching, which, God, for, I mean, help me. If he's watching shows from a year ago, this man should be really taking in what's going on. <laughs> Dirk says that's a shit job. Literally, my friend, literally. Uh, see, I'm used to looking at this computer for the fucking chat room, and there's a blank screen. Right. It's not there. It, it, I tried to use it as a second monitor. That didn't work either. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I need a new. Okay. Computer. Guess I need a new computer. So before I have fun with the idea of Michael Hayes being just his own CSI person, <laughs> we have to figure out who pooped on this plane. Oh yeah. Who? Anyways. Um, Richard Pryor, Live in the Sunset Strip, was from 1982. That was his penultimate in terms of filmed concert specials. Ah, okay. Not going to read any of the other ones because as soon as you get to 1974, it becomes a real dicey territory to do so. Yeah, I would just leave that alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, I'll just read them off. And I was like, no, I will not read them off. That is a terrible idea. Um, if you're familiar with his work, you know why. Anyways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyways, this is just fucking it's wild. I just the idea that you can't poop on the plane is so fucking hilarious. And the idea that like Michael Hayes was tasked with getting to the bottom of who shit on his plane. Like like how are you going to find this out? Like is there fucking is there camera footage? Is there you gonna be doing fucking DNA testing? Like, how do you get to the bottom of this? I wish we had like a a manifest for this fucking flight so we could see who was on this plane. I really do. He just like reaches into his bag and throws on a fucking trench coat and like like corn cob pipe. I'm I, I again. I really like these stories he's telling. He's telling some good stories, and I have a feeling, like I said, he's got no reason to fucking lie. He ain't gonna fuck up his Hollywood fucking career on a for a fucking a podcast. Mm. So I, I just, it's so what a control. You can't poop on the plane. What if you re like you're sick? You really gotta go. What do you do? do you, I mean, do you have to go to Vince and be like, Vince, I'm about to fucking shit my pants. I got a feeling he'd say, shit your pants, pal. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Let me get a camera phone out. Wait, we can use this. Okay. <laughs> and when I say Vince McMahon's camera phone, I picture like one of those brick phones that Paul Heyman used to have, <laughs> but with like a camcorder tape to it. Let me get my camcorder. Hold on. Okay. Vince, we, we, we can't even use that anymore. Shut up. Somewhere out there, there's shaky foot, like camera phone footage filmed by Kevin Dunn of somebody shitting themselves on a plane. Fuck off, Freebird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Poor Michael Hayes. Oh, God, he has to walk around. And I love how he's like, this guy's not laughing. He has this stern look on his face like, did you poop on the plane? Okay. <laughs> 
you know, it's all starting to make sense. People give Michael Hayes a lot of shit for, and justify himself <laughs> for some reasons. But, like, people give him shit for being, like, this, like, total kind of, like, whack job. But, like, you, when you consider the fact of how long he's had to deal with Vince for, it, like, it kind of makes sense. Like, I feel like it broke him. I think you kind of just got to be a whack job to deal with Vince. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously, I, I I think you just have to be as wacky as Vince. And I mean, he's he's even saying when you're on the plane, you're working the whole time. And I, I, I could see that. I could see Vince being that guy. Come on, we're on the plane. Let's do something. No, yeah. I mean, not only that, but like just the whole thing of like even the little like micro actions that are going on of him just like judging your body language and judging you based on what you're drinking on the plane and all of that kind of shit. Like, you know, that stuff happens too. And it just seems like it'd be a real chore to just have to always be thinking about how every little action that you do affects your you know career and your job status. All right. So if you're ever on Vince's plane, don't sneeze in front of him. A uh, don't watch Richard Pryor B <laughs> And you probably shouldn't laugh. I have a feeling that might have been uh, what was about. That might have been what cued him into going to Freddie. He was probably laughing. And uh, don't poop. Hold it. I like the idea of like Vince discovering Richard Pryor in what was probably about two thousand six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you guys hear about this Richard Pryor? Plenty of I gotta, gotta go to his concert sometime. When's he performing? Oh dear. Maybe that's who Vince was channeling when he uh, did that scene with John Cena. Mm. Well, yeah, he, he, there's no way that he knows about Chappelle's show that he couldn't have been doing that. Mm. That's still another five years away. At minimum. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we've been starting off with uh, little stories like that, and I figured we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't disappoint this time. One more Freddie Prince uh, Jr. story. So uh, there you go. I'm gonna try to. I, I we should try to find one every week, um, and we even have a bad take. It was not sent to me by Eric, but I do have a bad take on wrestling, um, <laughs> and it's Booker T this week. Uh, <laughs> it's Booker I may T. have heard this, but yeah, let's let's see what old Booker T has to say. You might have. You really might have. Let me see something here. Um, all right. All right. There we go. Okay, quick there. Now, I got two little quick things on GCW to mention, Smark. Mm-hmm. I uh, hope you don't mind. I'm sure you don't. You're a GCW fan yourself, my man. Indeed. So the first one is, uh, looking yesterday, Brett Lauderdale puts up a picture. It's him and Nick Gage. Nick Gage has what appears to be a contract in his hand, and it appears Nick Gage has signed, according to Fightful, a, an exclusive multi-year contract with GCW. Uh, Brett, uh, Brett Lauderdale actually had this to say this is a major milestone for both Nick and GCW. I have always been against the idea of contracts in GCW, but there are no, but there are exceptions to every rule from day one. Nick has put his body and literally his life on the line for his fans inside the squared circle. He deserves and has earned the right to be rewarded for 20 plus years of hard work and sacrifice. The historic contract will do just that, allowing him to continue his in-ring career at a pace that is beneficial to his health while beginning to focus on opportunities that take him towards the next phase of his career. 
GCW would not have achieved the level of success it was without Nick Effin Gage. And we are proud to be able to say that GCW will remain Nick's home for the rest of his career. There you go. I mean, even in the tweet, I'll read you the tweet real quick, and then, Smart, you can chime on in, please. Um, this is the first and likely the last... Uh, this is a tweet by Brett Lauderdale, I'm sorry. This is the first and likely the last GCW will uh, contract GCW will ever, <coughs> ever offer. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm, my heart is double pumping. Uh, Nick has earned the right to finish his career on his terms with dignity and a focus on the future he deserves. I'm proud GCW can give him that for the hard work, sacrifice, and loyalty over the 23-plus years. MDK all effing day. Okay. There you go. Smart, what do you think? So, yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, it just it makes sense. Like you said, you know, he's basically synonymous with them. I don't necessarily see him just based on the way that he wrestles, like, really getting offers elsewhere in terms of, like, I don't think he's going to be showing up on NXT 2.0 anytime soon or anything (laughs) like that. Like, he did have this stint in AEW or he had, you know, the Wrestled Imagine AEW, but I don't think that they, you know, based on, again, the way that he wrestles, that it'd be sustainable for him to be there for, like, an extended period of time. And he's he's been one of those people that have been synonymous with that company with GCW, and he's largely part of their rise to success and prominence. I mean, it was you know having him wrestle, doing the deathmatch stuff with like uh, David Arquette with Matt Cardona with all those people just it, it, it raised his profile, raised GCW's profile. He's, he's been huge for them, so it makes total sense that they would. I think the contract more so than anything is just sort of symbolic that he means enough to them that they would actually want to have it in writing and be sure that he's not, you know, they don't want him to go anywhere. Just sort of a way of showing him that that's how important that he is to them. Cause I don't really think he was really at risk of going anywhere anyway, but just mm-hmm. to sort of cross the T's dot the I's, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, you hit every point that, I would have hit. I'm not going to repeat any of them, but I mean, every one of those are exactly correct. What you said, and you're right. He definitely is synonymous with this company. He has done a lot. Like I mean, you mentioned, every match, the Arquette match, the Cardona, uh, going to AEW, doing that match, just everything he's done has definitely been good for him. And I think this is a good thing for GCW. Even if this is the one and only contract that they do put out, I don't care. Um, this guy has been very loyal to this company, um, and I do agree with you. I don't see, uh, I don't see any, uh, I don't see people throwing him offers, but um, I definitely think this is a good thing for him. He's at least you know got something right now, something solid, and I don't know. I, I think it's a great thing. I congratulate Nick Gage and Brett Lauderdale, you know, on signing a person with GCW. It's got to be kind of got to feel good for him starting this little indie company and being able to do something like this too right so anyway like i said you've uh you hit all the points i don't need to uh i don't need to drag on anymore i'm done there you go there you go but on the uh since we're talking about gcw uh gringo loco smart yes will be going to triple a to make his debut down there at triple a that's right. Indeed, he will. Yes. Yes, he will. He will be at. Uh, uh, he's going to go brawl, brawl with Psycho Clown. 
mm-hmm. is what it's saying here. That's, uh, no, a weekend after. No, he did have a match with Psycho, uh, Psycho Clown. I'm sorry. Yeah, they um, had a GCW had some shows this weekend where they brought in some AAA talent. They've been using Psycho Clown kind of in on and off for the last couple of uh, couple of months. I don't know exactly how many months, but he was on the pre-show for their uh, Hammerstein Ballroom show, the right. World on GCW. He was part of that, and he's done a, a couple of appearances for them here and there. They've been bringing in. It's a couple of different A triple uh, A. I was almost said AEW. A couple of triple A <laughs> talents they've been using. So I guess they're starting to build a little bit of a working relationship with them. So that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, most definitely, man. So you know, good for him. Just GCW kind of. I mean, I, I'm getting their name out there in all kinds of ways, man. I think it's great. Uh, it, every time they make a a smart business move, I just I like it. I love it. I love that this little indie company is out there making a great name for itself. And it started off as just kind of a, you know, a very, a, like, almost like an offshoot of CZW in a way. You know, because CZW at the time was kind of, uh, how do we say this nicely? Dying. Mm-hmm. And still is a slow death with DJ owning it. Um, I don't have to be nice to him anymore. Um so it, I mean, it, it, it did, it died. It was, it's been dying a slow death and this company kind of, I mean, that's kind of why they infiltrated them that one show and the cops were called and all that shit. But, uh, you know, it, it was almost created in spite of CZW and they've gotten way bigger than CZW probably ever has been. Uh, as long as, um, DJ has owned it, not when, uh, Danzig owned it. Right. Yeah, I, I do want to clarify. I'm not talking about the old Zandig days. So yeah. All right. There you go, man. It was, you know, and like obviously the comparison, like any any time any independent company within the last fucking we're in what year twenty twenty one now. Uh, anytime an independent company picks up steam, like it's just always going to be inevitable that they're going to get the fucking ECW comparisons from some people, at least, is because that's you know sort of the first of its kind in terms of big name independent companies to sort of blow up. But I think, like, if anything, you can make a little bit of a comparison just based on the fact that they're in a position where kind of ECW was in the sense of now there's two main companies and they're in a position now where they have to try their best to hold on to the people that they have and then try to fill gaps when the two big companies take their people. Like, I won't say that they're comparative to ECW in other ways, but just in that way of having to consistently find a way to keep their roster fresh, that's definitely something that uh, ECW had to deal with, and that's something that GCW has been having to deal with now in the AEW landscape of things. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely, man. But again, man. You hit every point. <laughs> You're on point tonight, Smart. What else can I say? Well, there you go. There you go. Anyway, um, here's the next thing we're going to just kind of get into again. Not something that we need to spend even 10 minutes on. Uh, Santina Morella's daughter. Beyond, I think her, uh, Bianca Corelli mm-hmm. has signed with WWE. Now, Smart, have you seen a picture of, of, of her yet? I've seen a couple. No, she's been getting a little bit of press lately, even before mm. this. Very 
beautiful woman. They've, uh, she, wow. Um, matter of fact, I posted a, if you want to check that link out that I just posted in the chat room, uh, you can see the picture I'm looking at of her right now, but, uh, she's a great looking woman. I have not seen many of her or any of her matches, but I've heard that she's very good in the ring and, um, WWE got her. So I guess we'll see her in NXT very soon, but, uh, Congratulations to Santino. Congratulations to this girl. Um, Indeed. We'll see what happens, but they've got a they've got another stunner on their hands, I'll tell you that. Yeah. And I also haven't seen any of her matches yet either, but I mean that uh Santino Brothers Academy, it seems like that's one of the more prestigious wrestling schools that there are at this point in time. So it seems like she's got a good base to, you know, build her career on at least. She has a wonderful base. Ah, there you go. Um, I'm looking at her base right now. Anyway, uh, like I said, congratulations to both of them. And I guess we'll see her in the future. I got a feeling we're going to see her sooner rather than later. I believe she's, I mean, she's trained already, so we might see her pretty quick. But uh, Yeah, especially considering how much, like, youth, how youth is important in NXT 2.0. They're trying to push the whole youth initiative at the moment. So she's a young lady, and like you said, she's already trained, so they'll probably get her out there sooner rather than later, like you were saying. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely they will. So, all right. I ain't got no more on that. And I got one more, and then we'll start uh, doing the old back and forth smart. Sure. Which means we have three and three left after that. So, Kai, now, Smart, you didn't get to join us last week. I know I didn't even get the show posted until, I think, Sunday. But, um, and I'm sorry about that little power outage last week, folks. There was nothing I could do about that, obviously. Uh, blame the snow and the ice. Um. Hey. And I didn't didn't even get internet back for a few days. And then right after we finished the show last week, me and Eric, my internet went out until late Saturday. So luckily I got to do Hollywood Hangout at, at, at least. So, um, But we didn't get to hear your opinion on this whole Shane McMahon thing. Have you- right, yeah, that, this it's, it's, it's wild because it's like... The idea that the whole Royal Rumble thing, when we were talking, because we did talk about the Royal Rumble before all that went down, and it was like right. universally panned. I thought it was underwhelming, and I feel like me calling it underwhelming was probably the nicest thing anybody has said about it. It <laughs> seemed like everybody was saying that it was boring, that it was awful. It was like the worst Rumble that they've seen in terms of the actual Rumble match. Like, I didn't feel like it was all that bad. I just thought it was just kind of boring it was there wasn't a lot of surprises outside it was just i guess bad bunny was like sort of the only real surprise in terms of like people coming in that you didn't know about even you know people knew about the whole johnny knoxville situation and all of that so that wasn't like a big deal um but yeah it's it's crazy how that all turned out where it's like (laughs) the royal rumble was so bad that fucking vince had to fire his own son over it's like geez well let me say this i I don't think Shane was fired, first of all. Yeah. No, it, technically, Shane was never an employee. So, you know, you just told that story. And it's also saying that Shane was kind of looking out for himself in the match and all this stuff. I got to be honest with you. I don't believe a lot of this. And I've also said that Shane has many um, companies outside of WWE that he deals with. And I think this has been blown way out of proportion. 
my opinion. It has. I mean, it's just it's family drama, so it's going to kind of cause people to want to make it a bigger deal than it actually is. It's just like you said, he wasn't even really employed there necessarily anyway. No. So, and you know he's going to be back within like a year or two. Now, if he yeah. does end up for whatever fucking like highly improbable, unlikely reason, if he does show up in AEW, that would be a huge deal. But that, like, that's not happening. You know, it's not happening. Well, number one, I don't think it's going to happen. Number two, I actually think that would backfire on Tony. Probably. I, I think the fans would actually not be happy to see Shane Mc, any McMahon in AEW. Now, if anyone were to come over. Shane could probably be the one that did it. I mean, that time he went to WCW it was a big deal, but I mean, it's not. It wouldn't be the same. It's 2022. It, there's not going to be any sort of, um, you know, fucking invasion or anything. So what's the point? I really think though his fans would kind of uh, the, the the hardcore AEWs would despise a McMahon coming in that company. Yeah, sure. I mean, like we talked about it before, they spend a lot, not a lot, but, you know, time and time again, they've mentioned how awful, you know, it is on that other company, on that other show, and how bad Vince is, and Vince's booking, and McMahon booking, and all this, that, and the third. So it's like, you've built a foundation, or you built a a lot of TV, you spend a lot of TV time talking about how bad the McMahons are, and then you bring one in, and it's like, yeah, it kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. Now, just to stray off this for one second, it looks like Dirk Acta asked us. I don't think he's asking us a buy or sell on Bubba Ray Dudley or Bubba the Love Sponge. Which Bubba would we buy or sell? Ooh, this is tough. I'd, I'd, I'd probably just walk away broke and not give a shit. If I buy if I buy Bubba the Love Sponge, can I like have Kong beat him up again? Because I mean that would be worth you whatever could, the asking price is. You could probably bang his wife. I still haven't seen that tape, but I don't wish to see that tape. Uh, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, you could you could probably do that. So that's one right there. So let's see. Bubba's not with fucking, you know, Velvet Sky anymore, so you're not going to even get to see her around. So, geez, this is a tough one when you think about it. Which one? I mean, they're both scum, in my opinion, which is really tough. That's the tough part, Smart. Man, if you think about it, like, who is named Bubba that isn't just, like, a gross, like, person? Well, you think about it, like, all of the people that I can think of that are named Bubba are just, like, kind of... They all kind of look the same, and they're all kind of like like gross fat dudes. Like you got like Bubba Ray Dudley, you got Bubba the Love Sponge, you got Bubba Sparks. Um, I'm trying to think of a Bubba that isn't just like gross. Um, Bubba Shrimp. Mm. He wasn't Bubba gross. Sh- he 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 was a nice guy. Is that the uh, lad from uh, Forrest Gump? Movie? From Forrest Gump. <laughs> Man, that shows in my movie watching Acumen when I refer to one of the like biggest hits in movie history as like, oh, it's that Tom Hanks project. That that that, that little film he did. Yeah, um, the little indie picture. All right, let's see, Bubba the Love Sponge or Bubba Ray Dudley. I guess, I mean, I guess I'd have to buy buy Bubba Ray. 
sell Love Sponge. Love Sponge is way more scummy. Um, I don't know. I don't think Bubba Sparks. Maybe Bubba Wallace. I don't know. Bubba Wallace? Like, that's an extreme... Like, for considering the people that listen to our show, I feel like that's an extremely obscure reference. But, hey, whatever. I know who it is. <laughs> well, but of course. <laughs> uh, him and Juicy should share a cell together, in my opinion. But anyway. Um... Come on. <laughs> I have no opinion on that, but yes, anyways. <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's go back to where we were with this Shane thing now. Um again, I I think this got blown out of proportion. Uh first of all, I think Vince is a very again, we, we've seen this guy as a control freak. I don't see him losing his temper to his family in front of many people, to be honest with you. Um now I do see there was a everyone's reporting there was a little mess up at the rumble where Shane's music hit and Randy was supposed to be coming out. So Randy said, well, I'm not coming out to here comes the money, which I don't blame Randy for. He's got a fucking, you know, a, 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 a sports entertainment rep to protect. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. Is that a good way to put that? That is such a messed up. It would have been great if he came out and just like, it wouldn't have made sense to anybody at the time. But if he came out to Shane's song and did the fucking shuffle, oh, and it just like and then just like fair, you know, did his little pose and was just like very grumpy about it, like it wouldn't have made any sense to anyone at the time, but it would have been lovely. They could have used that and had Shane come out and be like, "What the fuck are you doing, yeah. dude?" They could have made that a feud because obviously, instead of I, I guess they were all pitching Shane McMahon versus Seth Rollins, and it suddenly became. It's Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. Either one is fine. I, honestly, I really don't need to see Shane McMahon turning red inside the ring like a fucking tomato. His, his fucking whole head being red, sweat pouring down his face. I don't need to see that. I, I, I think the guy looks like he's about to go into a fucking hypertension overload or something. I don't need to see it. So I, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, I, I, that sounds good to me. But... Yeah. I would think Shane has been around this business long enough to know plans change all the time. Up until we've read, Vince was changing plans up until 15 minutes until they went live on Raw. I just think this whole thing was blown out of proportion. I think Shane was just coming back maybe to do something. Plans changed. And Shane said, all right, I got other shit to do anyway. I'll be back when you need me. Right. And I think, maybe Michael Hayes got drunk and called up Dave Meltzer. No, I mean, Michael Hayes was analyzing <laughs> the DNA in several stool samples at the time. Meltzer, it's Freebird. <laughs> Guess who? <laughs> got a real scoop for you. Bad street. Yeah. <laughs> we give Michael Hayes way too much time on this show. Uh, <laughs> he deserves it. He deserves it. Every now and then. There was a, a period there where, for whatever reason, they decided to honor his accomplishments during an episode of Raw in, like, 98 or 99. And it made no fucking sense at the time because he was still Doc Hendricks. So for some reason, this, like, this guy who we've been convinced to believe is named Doc Hendricks and has no affiliation with doing like anything ever other than being Doc Hendricks is now out there. He's like, oh, I've been Michael Hayes this entire time. 
and then they, they did that so that they Kane could come out and Kane could beat him up. But yeah. there, there was it was a cool little moment, I guess. And he hit him with his shoe, so I gave him credit for that because he just decided that he was going to try to beat this unstoppable killing machine at the time with like a fucking gator. Well, it works for many mothers out there. Mm-hmm. So. Also, there was Bubba Watson. That's he's a famous golfer. And do you remember that song? Bubba shot the jukebox last night. Said it. Uh, said it. Played a sad song that made, made him, him cry. cry. Went to his sure. truck. Got a forty-five. Bubba shot the jukebox last night. My lovely grandfather can just fucking go hell for that song. I heard that song so many times growing up. Mark Chestnut. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. And you see, I I did not Google that. I, like, I, I've, I, but you hate country, but you know a lot of country. I, I didn't have a choice. If you, if you think about it, it's all fucking early to mid 90s country. Which, if you check out the the fact that I was also born in 1990, like, it all coincides to the fact that I was anywhere from like, four to nine when most of these songs came out so i didn't have the autonomy to be in control of the radio or stereo set but i will say the country you know is mostly the good country country died <laughs> after that dude now it's even worse it's like rap. my wife listens to the new country station i'm like what the fuck is this i hate to say it like this but it was 9 11 if you think about it like after, because everybody made their own, their whole cash in song after nine eleven happened, and then after that it was like there was a hard reset. Well, where it was just like you got to all the new country shit, like well, you still get the Trace Adkins and all of that kind of stuff. You're right. Well, and even he was on the tail end of the bad part because you're right. After nine eleven, we we've discussed this before. We went we we had the Toby Keiths and everyone cashing in on the patriotic songs. Um, what was that one guy's name? Uh something whirly and mm. the song have you forgotten and all that oh, stuff yeah. uh, something like that I, I forget the guy's name but uh, i remember the song i forget the guy but let me give it a look all right i think his last name was whirly uh i think it might have been bubba whirly but uh, i mean i don't think it was daryl whirly daryl whirly thank you i knew that was it and then let me tell you what happened i'm, I'm gonna tell you what happened right after that smart we got into this whole Jimmy Buffett started writing songs for Tracy. Uh, I think it was Tracy Lawrence. Because him and Tracy Lawrence did that song, right? The whole Five O'Clock Somewhere. Was that them? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it was one of them. Uh, okay. The Five O'Clock Somewhere. I think, I don't, I don't no, hold on. Five, I, think that I don't was, think that was him. That's what happened. Jimmy Buffett, and they got into the island kind of country. The... Uh, it was Alan Jackson. I Alan knew it Jackson. Was, Thank I, was, you. I knew it was Jimmy Buffett and somebody, but it, it, that didn't sound. The first guy didn't sound right. Alan Jackson. Thank you very much. I knew it didn't too. Um, and Alan, he started writing all of Alan Jackson's songs, and they all sounded like Jimmy Buffett songs because they were all written by Jimmy Buffett. So after that, everyone was just, of course, what happened? They started rapping in country songs. Mm. And that actually makes perfect sense because my grandparents love Alan Jackson. I can't really stand Alan Jackson. And now I understand why it was, it was it's part of my coding. I didn't realize that there was a Jimmy Buffett element to it outside of that one song. Well, I mean, you know, oh, yeah. Many songs of his were very islandy, Buffetty. It was kind of like Jimmy Buffett had a little re- rebirth with Alan Jackson. And, of course, he did write the Hoochie Coochie. Oof. <laughs> 
gets hot in the Georgia asphalt. Anyway, um, we really did trail off. How the fuck did we trail from Shane McMahon and the country music? I, I, I'm sorry about that. But um, anyway, I, we, I, this was on the list to talk about last week. Me and Eric got into it a little bit the other night, and um, I wanted to get your opinion on it. So, I, again... I think it got blown out of proportion. I think this is all a lot of bullshit. I think, like you just said, we'll have Shane back within a year. Like nothing happened, and it won't matter. Yes. So, anywho, um, I have a segue if we're getting into one of my topics. Absolutely. Okay, so we're talking. We just got done talking about Alan Jackson and Jimmy Buffett. So somebody who obviously embodies the Jimmy Buffett tradition of day drinking and gaining unnecessary amounts of weight. Joey Janela is hopeful that his contract in AEW gets renewed. How was that? There we go. Boom. Professional. When All Elite Wrestling was formed in 2019, Joey Janela was one of the first wrestlers involved in the initial press conference, having competed. At all in the event considered to be the precursor of it to AEW, Joey Janela seemed like a natural fit when he signed with the promotion. In the years since then, the promotion has grown by leaps and bounds. I enjoy the kind of subtext to that. Basically, they've gotten a better roster. Now, Joey Janela's contract is coming to an end and questions are surfacing regarding his future. Joey is a major part of Game Changer Wrestling and in AEW, he's typically competing mostly on their YouTube programming. Ouch. In Ouch. recent weeks, names like Marco Stunt and Peter Avalon announced, they did say announced, it should have been announced, not proofreaders. Uh, they are talking, they're taking more, into, there you go, after I make fun of them. They are taking more independent bookings as the structure of AEW continues to change as the company grows. Asked on Barstool's wrestling with an R, podcast ah. what is going on with his current situation at AEW, Joey claimed to not be sure what is happening in regards to his future. Quote, you tell me, I don't know, Joey said of his status with All Elite Wrestling. I don't even talk to them. Yeah, I get a check, but I don't know what's going on. Ultimately, Joey says he is hopeful that his contract with the company continues. Otherwise, he runs the risk of looking like an idiot. Something that Joey Janela would never do. Mm. Quote, some rumor says my contract is up on April 30th. So I don't know what the fuck is going on, claimed Joey. I think it will continue. If it doesn't, I look like a fucking idiot right now. I just said it. This is going online. Joey told the fightful Sean Rossap that his contract expires in May of this year. You okay. can check out the full interview if you can click the link well, that I am speaking. Yeah, if you can figure out a way to click a link based on this audio, I am impressed. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and really, I mean, April 30th, May 1st. What's the fucking difference? April, May. I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. The contract is expired as of May 1st, April 30th. I mean, we're this is splitting hairs here. I, I'm not sure if they were trying to say that there was a lie being told here, but if they are, no. <sighs> anyway, um, I'd say after this interview, I don't think it is going to be. <laughs> Uh, that the first quote you tell, uh, I don't even talk to them. Yeah, I get a check, but I don't know what's going on. That might not have been the smartest thing to say. Uh, yeah, this is, um, it, it, my God, he's the JTG of a, of AEW. 
yes and no, because JTG <laughs> was smart enough to just like stay in the background. Like he wasn't out there giving interviews. JTG was like lurking in the shadows. Yes. Lur- I like that. It was lur- he was. That's exactly what he was doing. Lur- lur- lurking and catering is what he was doing. <laughs> Which I of course now have just a mental image of JTG dressed as a vampire hanging out and catering. <laughs> blah 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 blah. <laughs> Shadows. Ah, ah, ah. I am JTG. Oh, 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 oh. Where is Brooklyn at? <laughs> <laughs> How many more days have my contacts up? One. Ah, ah, ah. Two. Ah, ah, ah. Anyway. I think after this, maybe his contract will be not renewed. Um, I'll tell you the truth. I wouldn't like that line. That one line. If I was a business owner. I wouldn't like that line. I wouldn't like... You don't really want him to full-on discuss, like, be fully transparent with the fact that you guys are just not communicating. Like, that kind of casts aspersions on the way that you do your business a little bit, I think. I mean, put it this way. The first line was, you know, like I said, that's that's a little irritating. Like I said, if I was a company owner and read this, I'd be like, "Mm." and rumor says my contract is up on April 30th. You don't know your own fucking contract, dude. I mean, I think he's trying to be snarky and be like, well, you guys seem to know everything that's going on, even though you don't. But it still just kind of comes off as just, eh. It's like, you, yeah, do you, do, do you know or do you not know what's going on with your own fucking contract? And if you don't for real know what's going on with your contract, the problem is you. Just, I mean, literally just be like, ah, oh, we haven't even had that conversation yet. Done. Questions answered. What's going on with your contract? Oh, we haven't had that conversation yet. Oh, all right. All right. Cool. Done. Over. Yep. <laughs> My God, these guys don't fucking think about consequences anymore, do they? <laughs> well, he is sort of one of those people that just doesn't know when to shut the fuck up either because when they were doing the whole, we were talking about the MLW WWE lawsuit, he had use that as an opportunity to kind of throw some shade at MLW for not properly paying their talent. And he said that he hopes that WWE puts them under. So it's like, okay, fair enough. If they don't pay their talent, that's a shitty thing to do. But like, do you need to be the one that fucking, you know, is the whistleblower in this instance? It's like, if I'm Tony Khan, I don't want people on my company, like on my roster actively starting shit with other promotions who I may or may not be able to work with someday. Well, I mean, what's going to happen when he leaves your promotion? Mm-hmm. Is he going to do the same fucking thing? Are you going to get shit talked to? Which, I mean, again, he needs to get a thicker skin about that because people are going to shit talk any place they they're they're you know technically fired from. That's what's going to happen. It's going to happen. So get ready for it, Tony Khan. Yeah, and like Dirk says, he's got a good point. Eh, it's strange. Ah, I I get it. And really, I mean, we barely see him on television, so let's let's I mean, let's let's just lay it out there. Who's gonna fucking miss him if he's gone? I mean, this is very much like a sort of new wrestler mindset, I think, because I was seeing I saw somebody a while back say that they had problems in with their interaction with this like smaller indie company and that they were going to talk all about it on their Twitch channel the next day. And I was like, okay, why would you do that? Because if I am a company, that if I'm a separate company, and I know that you're going to be bad-mouthing other companies that you deal with on your Twitch, why would I book you? Yes. It's like, what the fuck? Like, you're, you're fucking your own self over just so you can get a couple of views on Twitch. I'm not sure it's worth it in the long run. Uh, you know, I mean, look, even if you're paying the guy, even if you're doing all the right things, 
what if something happens, something goes wrong, and this guy goes and shit talks your company? Obviously, right. he's got no problem doing it. I mean, it, it's kind of like that. I hate to bring this up because I know you hate this movie, but it's kind of like that scene in Draft Day where he's telling, um, where he's telling the guy, you know, don't fucking tweet. Don't do this right. to yourself. Every coach now knows that you are willing to go out there and just say any fucking thing that comes to your mind, and they and we hate that. Yes, we fucking so it's a great it. rule of thumb to sort of separate yourself from doing things that low key would also do. Well, there you go. That that that's good. And you know, I, I, I got to say this: Joey Janela really really had a big thing going for a little while. He had a lot of buzz behind his name. He was doing really good. Um, and then I got to tell you, that little thing he did with Enzo mm-hmm. really kind of brought him down. Maybe a little bit, yeah. And I'm not going to lie. Jim Cornette hating this guy, talking shit about him whenever he's on television, also doesn't help. And I got a feeling that's part of why 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 uh, Tony Khan doesn't put him on because every time he puts him on TV, what's going to happen? You know, Jim Cornette and all his little cult, which it's the cult of Cornette are going to go after AEW. So you're saving yourself trouble by just putting him on YouTube and leaving it at that. Well, I think it's just kind of the same reason why it doesn't really make sense for them to sign gauge to a long-term contract as like, their best suited, their best element is wrestling the more hardcore deathmatch style matches. I mean, I guess not to be redundant, but but then the way that AEW books things is like those big sort of hardcore deathmatch, you know, stipulations are reserved usually for the blow off matches to right. big feuds with big stars. So, you know, you can't, it doesn't make sense to have like, you know, Joey Janela in the same matches on like, aw dark that you would be having you know like this week on dynamite the texas death match or whatever you know right. so you're kind of relying on joey janela to be just sort of a straightforward wrestler and that's not necessarily the best place that you want to be in so it doesn't work well for him it doesn't work well for you plus it's a matter of like what is joey janela's character like he's been there for two years three years now whatever as long as, long as they've been running he's been there and like what is his character? What is his motives? I haven't really seen much of anything in terms of character work from him, and that, that's an issue in its own right. He's the bad boy. True. But that's it. I don't know. Because, yeah, I mean, the whole time he's been there, he's like, he had that team with Sonny Kiss, and then they broke up, and then that was really the only sort of development that's happened. Yeah, that was it. They really didn't... <laughs> Excuse me. They really didn't, like go with that at all it just kind of went out there and next thing you know it was done they didn't roll with mean, it at all i like it i like, like he can have good matches sometimes and i like i kind of like watching him wrestle sometimes but i just don't think he's a great fit for that company like he can be better utilized elsewhere and i think just you know gcw is a better fit for him right yeah i I think you may be right. I think the indie circuit might just be a. He needs to maybe go back out, get his name out there again, and then maybe yeah, come back to AEW after a little while. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. Who knows? But um, there you go with that. I don't know, I got nothing else on that. I think we talked enough, Joey Janela. Yeah. Um. All right. Let me jump into one real quick here, Smart. Yeah. 
The Becky Lynch Ric Flair feud continues. Dun dun dun. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't have a soundboard. Sorry, guys. Don't have it. Can't play it. Don't even know where it is. It's on a hard drive over here. <laughs> I moved the computer to give me a little leg room here. So this all started off first. Ric Flair, of course, chimed in. They're uh, on his Ric Flair Woo Nation Uncensored podcast. And he chimed in about the uh, Becky Lynch's promo that had come out to Ronda Rousey that was on Raw. And I guess at one point, Becky called her Ronnie. And that did not sit well with, with, with Flair at all. At all. He said, so, once again, she's not Ronnie. She's Ronda Rousey. Okay, Flair said. Anybody stupid enough to call her Ronnie and make a joke of her presence and what she brings to the company is out of their mind. As an example, what is her name now? Big Time Bex? Hey, Ronnie, welcome back. Wow, that's exciting. Hey, how about thank you, Ronda, for showing up because I'm not the man anymore. I'm generic. Who am I? Big Time Bex? The last kicker? Who am I? So, yes, because all feuds and big matches have been built on mutual admiration and respect for the opposing person. You see that in UFC all the time. They got nothing but nice things to say about each other. <laughs> yeah, I think this is this is this is really reaching for some attention, in my opinion. Becky did chime in on Twitter, of course, and she. Yeah, she put this little quote out there. Work so hard, your heroes become your rivals. Then, become so good, Ric Flair loses his mind every time you breathe. Becky Lynch, February 2022. <laughs> this was today. She put this out, February 9th. Um, fucking, this is the weirdest little, uh, the, the, you know what, here's what's weird about this. I almost feel like Ric Flair is in character talking about this, but mm. but he can't go back to WWE after that dark side of the ring. So why is he still in character? I know the guy's been in character for, what, 50 years at this point? Yep. I mean, I think he's working that angle. Like, I, <laughs> not immediately, but you know that they're going to bring him back. Like If they cared that much about fucking bad PR, they wouldn't be doing a show in Saudi Arabia in a couple of weeks. What? So you know it's happening. Like, I would say give it maybe two or three years or so and he'll be back. So, I mean, I guess this might just be a very long con, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's two to three years. But, I mean, let's talk about right now. We've got, this is just the weirdest little feud going on with Flair and Becky. And, I mean, is creative comes up with most of these ideas. I don't know if Becky does. Right. So he he may be completely blaming the wrong person. I don't know. I just think this is the oddest little feud. I don't know why Flair would work this angle when it just doesn't even matter. I know he had they had the whole thing over the trademark for the man, and I just I I just think it's it's so weird what Flair is doing here because he can't go back to WWE right now. This storyline is now. In two years, who the fuck knows? In another year, who the fuck knows where it's going to be? What? Yeah, this is very peculiar. I don't, I don't get it. Or maybe Ric Flair really is losing his mind. 
As, I mean, he's getting up there in age. We all are, Mark. We all are. This is true. Every one of us. Every one of us, sir. So anyway, um, I don't know. Like I said, I just think this is odd. I didn't want to spend a ton of time on this because you know we're we're not really concentrating that much on WWE anyway. Um, but uh, I did want to mention this. So, all right, Smart, my man. Okay, so <laughs> I will say, speaking of, we were talking about Ric Flair and his Dark Side of the Ring. I, one of the websites, I can't recall which one, felt it necessary to put out an article confirming that the big surprise for tonight's Dynamite indeed was not, yeah, yeah it was Fightful. At Fightful.com, Tony Khan confirms Tommy Dreamer is not the surprise on the 2-9 <laughs> episode of Dynamite. That's not what we're going to be talking about, but it just made me laugh specifically that they felt the need uh, to mention that it was not, in fact, Tommy Dreamer that was the big surprise. Because for any number of reasons, that's a laughable prospect. Even outside of the dark side of the ring, like in 2022, the idea that Tommy Dreamer is a big signing for even likes of Impact would be fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> anyways, to, to to stay in the Tony Khan ballpark of things and to sort of counter the Joy Janela story, this is from Fightful with AEW going into its third year. Many of the original signings have seen their contracts come up for renewal. Again, to be redundant, names like Peter Avalon, who says he's still with AEW, and Margot Stunt have started openly taking indie bookings. Joy Janela isn't sure what's going on. We've talked about that with his contract, and Big Swole, we've talked about this, didn't have her contract renewed. Meanwhile, the likes of Britt Baker and Scorpio Sky signed new deals with the company before 2022 rolled around. Speaking with Scott Fishman, that's a cool name, mm -hmm. of TV Insider, Tony Khan was asked for his thought process as he decides which contracts to renew and which ones he cannot. Quote, we started a lot when we started, a lot of people had contracts that were a couple years long. A lot of them were coming up. I have really tried hard to be very considerate of the people on the roster, especially going through the pandemic. That encompassed a long period of time where we were still in our first year of television going into our second. I kept a lot of people under contract, even though I wasn't necessarily using them on television because I wanted them to still have paying work, which was hard to come by for wrestling during the pandemic where there weren't any independent shows. Really, only two places were running, and the other place was cutting people left and right. Not sure who he's talking about. I did want huh. to give some job security to people. Now, with so many wrestlers coming in, I cannot renew all the contracts. I've had to make some tough choices based on ability, fan response, or both. I try to maintain the best roster I can for the company and fans, he said. Um, I mean, this was kind of obvious, I believe, that this was going to happen. I mean, you sign people, you sign more people. Some of the people you signed in you're not using, why use them? I, I mean, I, I, I get where he was coming from during the pandemic. It's, it's great that he had the the compassion and the money to do it. Um, not many places do. But again, you're in your first year. I get You really don't want any bad PR. And then, you, I mean, you literally shit on the other company cutting people. So it was good that he didn't, but... I mean, we're technically still in the pandemic. Yeah, but unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that's going to come to an end anytime soon. So I think you kind of have to start swinging towards well, not to use buzzwords, but whatever the new normal is going to be. Well, we have some states getting rid of mandates. 
I mean, Jesus Christ, the fucking over in London, the, they're going to get rid of all mandates coming up mm -hmm. in the next month. So I don't know, man. Some states here are doing the same thing, just getting rid of everything. Mandates are done. You know, just if you want to wear a mask, wear one. If you don't, don't. Just, you know, be safe. That's it. Well, I mean, there's certain countries that never allowed mandates. Get it? Uh, mandates. Uh, okay, okay. Everybody calm down. I see where you're going there. That's funny. That's funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it just... No, <laughs> it's fucking joke. See how I at least acknowledge your bad jokes? See how that works? Okay. I just that wasn't even worth it. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. Tony Khan. Um, I mean, again. like, yeah, just because they're getting rid of the mandates doesn't necessarily mean that you know the pandemic's going anywhere. No. But like you said, like just kind of in collaboration with what we both have been saying is at some point you have to start kind of doing things as close to how you used to do them as possible. And now that we're in fucking what is it year two of this already. We're coming into year three. Yep. Really. So you got to start fucking moving forward somehow. Yeah, you do. And like I said, this was obvious. There's certain people that are just not going to get over. There's certain people that people aren't going to care about. There's certain people that are just not going to be used on television for because you hired them just to be this guy or the, the, the or the third guy in a faction. But you're very short and no one gives a shit about you. Marco mm -hmm. stunt. Um, excuse me. Didn't mean to. Didn't mean to cough that up right there. But uh, I mean that, that. Think about it. Marco stunt. That's exactly the guy that. I mean, of course, it just wasn't gonna. He's not gonna wrestle many matches. He's not believable in matches. So what are you gonna do with him? How long can you really keep a, a Marco stunt? A Peter Avalon. Good character, but kind of one-dimensional you know when i was thinking about this earlier like i think just they missed the boat the timing was wrong because if you think about like and I, I do mean this like if you think about it now that they're leading is the big bang theory having the librarians gimmick would have fucking worked oh you're right it might have it might have and you know what he didn't say he was gone from AEW yet <laughs> I don't know when his contract is up, but you never know. Maybe they'll decide to try it one more time. You're right. That actually is a great point. The fact that they do have Big Bang Theory coming up uh, as their lead-in right now. Um, it's funny. My wife is funny. She's still a little groggy, kind of right. She was when I was turned on the show. And she saw that I had Big Bang Theory on, and she's like, You watch this show? And she like, slowly turns to look at me like I'm weird. And I'm like, uh, AEW comes on right after. And she's like, oh. Uh... <laughs> she's moving like a fucking sloth, my poor wife. <laughs> but she seems better now because the kids aren't screaming. That's a good thing. Well, maybe it was more of like just a thematic thing. She was like trying to fit in. She was doing like the Orange Cassidy thing. Maybe. Maybe, maybe she was. I don't know. She acted. I don't even think she could have put a held her thumb up. But um, anyway, again, I feel this was an obvious move that was coming. If you guys didn't see it, that then I'm not sure what to say. But I, I, I do have to say there, there, there's positives and negatives to just letting their contract run out. One positive is they didn't get fired. That's a good thing. Um, 
But if you do have non-competes in your contract, that would mean you would have to pay them for the rest of the, for that last few months of non-compete. So what they're not getting is those last few months of money. But um, what they can do, and I be, I got a feeling Tony's the kind of guy that would be like, look, I'm not renewing your contract, so you want to go out there and start doing indies, taking dates, go for it. Right. So what they can do is start going to work right away. That, in my opinion, that's kind of a negative and a positive. It is interesting that, you know, now that you bring it up, is that we haven't really learned the kind of ins and outs of their contracts yet in AEW. No. Whether there is or isn't a non-compete, how long, who that pertains to, you know, that kind of thing. Well, he's kind of, Tony Khan has kind of, not shit on the non-competes, but made little digs at the, at the non-competes that Vince has. And... I don't know. I mean, really, the only person that, let's face it, the only person that they've actually released that I can think of would be, um, what's his name? Uh, Jimmy Havoc. Yep. And I don't think any company was going to touch him. No. So we don't really know if he had a non-compete because nobody was touching that guy after what, I mean, I mean, he admitted to the, the, the allegations. He never denied them. He actually copped to it. Said, oh, I was a piece of shit. I'm sorry. That's yeah, bucket. people not touching him had been a kind of a common theme. Right. So, yeah, I worded that wrong, I guess. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really more of who he was touching than who was touching him. Uh, I mean, no, uh, obviously, I meant, <laughs> no one would hire the guy you Right, no, I get you. You I'm made it all pervy. Like, I, I didn't even mean that. I apologize. <laughs> it is weird how we've mentioned him like probably three weeks. In a well, we, we, we've talked about him more just like in this like last month or so than we did his entire time with the company. And I mean, <laughs> rightfully so. Really, the only thing of note he did was get beat up by Excalibur when he was drunk at a party. I, I mean, basically, he's just a wannabe Marilyn Manson out there. Which I feel like I should have been alone enough to get you fired. If you get beat up by Excalibur, like, that's it. Like, back in the day, that you used to get fired, like, from companies if you got beaten up in, like, a bar fight with a fan or whatever. It's like, oh, you're killing the business. You're gone. Damn. You get beat up by Excalibur. It's dope, dope. Talking the old Bill Watts days now, buddy. Mm-hmm. I'm down. I'm, 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 let's roll it back. There you go. Fuck yeah. If these guys get beat up, fuck yeah. Well, in that case, Drew, Drew McIntyre wouldn't have been a... Uh... Anyway. Well, I mean, that kind of was why he got fired. I mean, in a roundabout way, nah. it just didn't happen immediately. I mean, and, and he didn't even hit her. She beat his ass. Yes. The, he, yes, he essentially got punished for not fighting a woman, which, I mean, that tells you the Vince McMahon quality standard. I believe he had a wrongful termination lawsuit at that point. Kind of. I if, mean, good luck proving it, but I mean, yeah. That's the thing. If you could prove that they fired you for not fighting, like not beating your wife when she was kicking your ass, um, I don't know. That's, that's why it didn't happen immediately. It's I because mean, you know, it's, they removed themselves from being held responsible, I think. I mean, a bear hug, at least. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. Like, if you're in a position where you're being assaulted and you can restrain somebody without causing them physical harm, yeah. go ahead and do that. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying. Anyway, um, like I said, I, I 
there's positives and negatives to the contract running out. Like I said, you if you can get bookings right away, awesome. You're going to start making money right away. But uh, Indy Circuit's still not guaranteed money like you had here. Right. It's uh, it's still a uh, you know a shot to your uh, shit, probably your ego, to your bank account, to everything. So. I mean, well, there were some people like Joy Janelle included. He even said this like in his. Oh, where'd you go, Smart? I lost you there. Smart? I don't know. Somehow I ended up getting, I think I might have accidentally muted myself. No, you're good. I got you. Uh, I was going to say, though, to that point, it was like Joey Janelle had even kind of mentioned this in his speech when he was like kind of transitioning from GCW to AEW. Is that like a lot of those people that are on the indies at the moment that aren't under like AW contracts, WWE contracts, that kind of thing, they're working secondary jobs. So, like, this kind of stuff is like, you know, you, you end up going, getting released or not having your contract renewed for AEW. You might be going back to whatever your secondary job was. So, that's like, that's kind of a big life-changing predicament to be in. Yeah, man. A lot of things. I mean, just all kinds of shit can go wrong when you lose your job, man. It's, mm-hmm. trust me, I've, I've quit a few. And, oh, yeah. man, been fired from a couple. So yep. I know, man, it's tough every, I mean, especially when, you know, you got family, you got kids, you got wife, you got all this shit tough, man, rent, mortgage, whichever one way or another, you got to pay for something monthly. Unless you own your house, you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's get into something a little more. This is starting to depress me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> starting to hit, starting to hit homes, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, um, looks like another person that uh, WWE was looking to bring back and decided not to, just kind of a, I guess just sort of ties into it a little bit, was uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, Kurt Angle was kind of, uh, they kind of set him to join this little RK bro versus uh, Alpha Academy, and he said he had talks with them, they had actually had things he was actually supposed to do something at the Royal Rumble but at the last minute plans changed and they brought him to Royal Rumble anyway and he met with the officials and they were going to try to keep up with it but um, he ended up just doing some documentary content and some other projects while he was there for WWE but uh, they said he was definitely in there with uh, everything and just everything just kind of got changed right away there were certain pitches that he was going to kind of uh, get into the obviously kind of, you know, the Alpha Academy obviously has the kind of comparison to the old uh, team angle, if you remember them. Mm-hmm. So they were going to play off the days and kind of go in there and give them kind of some other three, you know, more three eyes. He was going to do the three eyes with them again. Uh, you know, intensity, integrity, and intelligence. Yep. So, but at the last minute, plans changed. As they do. As they do. And I would have actually liked to see Kurt Angle come on in and kind of be a little manager for those guys. And I think it would have been a cool thing. Uh, But right now, I guess they're okay on their own. No one's really complained that there isn't any Kurt Angle. But I think it could have been a little little spice to the storyline. 
Yeah, and I mean, especially, like, not only that, but like you said, they were trying to, you know, maybe play off the old team ankle days, and you do, at the moment, have Shelton Benjamin under contract, so there's an opportunity for them to interact and things like that. There's a couple of different things that you could have done with them, but, you know, it is what it is. It's not something that, like, absolutely had to have happened, but it would have been cool if it did. That might have been one of the reasons why it changed, is because you do still have Shelton Benjamin, and, I mean, what do you do with him at that point? Yeah, well... I mean, I think Charlie Haas is still in the game. Maybe bring him back. I don't know. You know, it's funny. I'm sitting here looking at this story on Wrestling Inc., and one of the interviews that keeps popping up is uh, this guy Nick Houseman with Charlie Haas. Mm. <laughs> it just keeps popping up. Um, that's weird. It's one of the ads that pops up on here, and he just keeps popping up, Charlie Haas interview. So that's funny. You, you mentioned him. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think it could have been good. I, matter of fact, look, right uh, right there. I wish you could see my screen. Charlie Haas. I should hit play. But, you... <laughs> there you but that's just how we close out the show. He's just listening to, like, an hour-long Charlie Haas interview. Well, it's just a clip of it because it's a uh, it's just like a little ad over here on the bottom. <sighs> but I could play it. You wouldn't hear it. I would need to share my screen first. I just don't feel like doing it. But I think this could have actually made the storyline a little better. Kurt Angle, especially in kind of a heel comedy role, always was great. I mean, just go back to the stuff with him and Stone Cold. Amazing shit right there. Amazing shit. Him and Stone Cold back then. They were both hurt, and they probably both did some of the most, like, that was the most memorable feud that almost never got in the ring. Right. Because they were both hurt. They were both just doing skits and trying to be there and keep their spot. It was great shit, man. Those two had some really fucking good uh, segments together at that time. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, for somebody who, like... For based on his background and everything, obviously he got the whole you know physical aspect of it, being a former collegiate wrestler and all of that, Olympic wrestler, that kind of thing. But I don't think anybody you know came from where he came from and like got wrestling as a whole as quick as he did, because like he got the whole promo aspect of it down too real quick, and he kind of understood what it took to be entertaining, and he could like kind of transition from being a total goof to being a serious ass kicker, like kind of you know back and forth fairly easily so he he got it real quick he picked up pretty much everything you needed to pick up like almost immediately it was pretty impressive it was kind of a uh, kind of a phenomenon in that case it, you know, aspect he did pick it up very quickly just looked like he'd been doing it forever mm-hmm. looked like he'd been doing it forever so rare but uh he's definitely one of the guys that did it i mean brock lesnar picked up on it pretty quick too but he would you know it's uh, not and not not so much the promos, but Lesnar could go out there and make anything look believable, like he was really beating the shit out of somebody. Right. Even I mean, sometimes he was. I'm not gonna lie, but most of the times he wasn't. So, but um, all right, I'm good on that one, Smart. Let it fucking fly, my man. Pat McAfee story. 
Yeah, we got a story from Pat McAfee. We were talking, Kurt Angle, we were talking Brock Lesnar. These are both future Hall of Famers. But be careful when you throw that word around because future Hall of Famer is a term that is not to be used lightly. This is from Fightful.com. Not everyone can go into the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, editorial. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> that is my editorial comment to that. <laughs> While many fans believe the likes of Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Charlotte Flair, and more are destined for the WWE Hall of Fame, that's not a certainty. Seth Rollins was a guest on the Pat McAfee show, and during the outro, McAfee referred to him as a future Hall of Famer. Ladies and gentlemen, WWE f- future Hall of Famer, by the way, actually got yelled at. Actually, I actually get yelled at every time I say future Hall of Famer for this person. They're like, it's not always Vince. That's It's somebody that drops in, quote, we don't know if that's true or not. It's an, it's an amazing time. I try to sneak that in at least once a show to see how many Hall of Famers I can put in there, said McAfee. <laughs> Rollins joked that McAfee should refer to Shanky as future Hall of Famer and then admitted that he has to stop hating Shanky which is my favorite part of this article. At some point, Veer will be coming to the WWE Hall of Fame. Again, uh, editorial bullshit. <laughs> um, I could see this. I, I mean, nothing is guaranteed. I mean, Roman Reigns definitely will be will be in one day. I, I, or maybe they're thinking about how long this thing really lasts. I mean, I'm going to tell you, it seems like they may be out of women soon. to put in so i don't know but this is that i could definitely see this there's so many things that they just don't want people saying how do you remember all of it at once i think more than anything i don't know i feel like maybe it's just a a situation where when you mention them as being like a future hall of famer you kind of maybe age them a little bit like you start bringing into question like the end of their career and whatever. And like I said, they got a real, real fucking hard on for the youth movement right now. The youth, the youth initiative mm. that they've been trying to put across. So they don't want people, you know, looking at people like they're older than they are or thinking about the end of people's careers mm. when you're supposed to be pushing them being young and new and fresh and all of that. That's a good point. That's a very good point. That might be calling a future Hall of Famers does could make people look at them a little older than they are um or also you call someone a future hall of famer next thing you know they have horrible allegations um on them uh maybe you know rick flair type allegations or worse and then there's no way you can put them in the hall of fame i mean they're again when they say it's not a certainty i see where they're going with that they could i mean so, I hope this never happens, and I'm, I don't even know why I'm going to say it, but I mean, someone could uh, turn Chris Benoit again. Not sure. You never know. You just never know what's going to happen. And I'm not saying that's why, but I think your reason is probably better. Well, I mean, there's that, too. I was thinking about that as well. It's like, you know, just sort of a catch-all in case there's a falling out for whatever reason between them and the company. They decide to go to AEW or any sort of legal problems that they might face. Yeah, I mean, or, I mean, you know, you get someone like a, uh, like a, you know, a Bruno, a warrior. Neither one of those we ever thought would, you know, have anything to do more with the company. They were shitting on the company a lot. But, um, you know, you get older, you kind of learn to forgive and forget older you get so right and you know what let's all be happy we did get warrior back to uh 
do what he did before he passed away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we didn't get much. We didn't get a match, you know, a big match or anything. But uh, we got Warrior and we got that great speech, which turned out to be a goodbye speech in a in a in a in a permanent way, which is awful. But yeah, it was weird. Anyway, um, I don't know. Future Hall of Famer. I could see that. Vince will ban that. It, it, it'll be on the list soon. Or they'll fire him for it. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't it? I just, I don't know. I guess they, for whatever reason, they, they, well, I guess not for whatever reason. It kind of it does make sense in this particular instance. A lot of times when they throw out these words that you can't use, it's just sort of them being neurotic weirdos. But, like, if you want. You, if you want the term future Hall of Famer to have some sort of, you know, importance to it, you can't just be saying that about anybody. That does seem fair. I mean, really, the only person that I remember them hammering at home that, you know, they're a future Hall of Famer is like the tail end of the Undertaker's career. Right. Yeah, stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like I said, I think your point that it does make them seem like they're older than they are, possibly more at the end of their career than they are, especially with the younger thing going around saying people are future hall of famers just probably isn't the uh isn't the right way to to paint them in that mm. younger light you know they you know just uh just, just as long as they're dying their hair and their beard uh, vince is fine yep that's it so all right we said we were going to bring up a horrible take and booker t has it right now yes uh for the week um Booker T seems to think that AEW has a lack of women and kids in their fan base. Um, I'll read some in just a second. I don't think that's completely true. I do see women in the crowd, a good, a decent amount. I mean, probably the same amount you see at a WWE show. Maybe they don't move them up to the front because they're hot because they don't want to do that. But they're there. Kids, I don't know if you remember, but they used to always for like, they would show kids with the Darby paint on all the time. Yeah. So anyway, let's go ahead and read uh, a little bit of what Booker T said on this little situation, particularly when it comes to the women and children. Women and children first. Uh, They got a long way to go. All right. AEW definitely has got something. They've got a good feel. The fans definitely seem like they're off into it. Uh, Booker T admitted. But when you look into the audience, you don't see kids at all. Okay, that's one thing you don't see. And you don't see a whole lot of women. Just look at the audience. So they've got a lot of building that they're going to have to do in order to stretch that audience out in order to cater to everybody. Not just the ones who want a thumbtack match or something like that. They're definitely going to have to widen their appeal to not just that. I wouldn't call it a hardcore audience, but you know, somewhat. Um, That's all I need to read of that. I don't don't need to read the next one. Again, I'm not sure I agree with them. And, 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 you know, uh, let's face it. WWE, TVPG, AEW, TV14. So they are geared towards a completely different audience. WWE is geared towards the children, whether, uh, again, it doesn't show when they're 
their own research doesn't show that they are actually geared towards children, but they think they are. So let's just right. leave, let's just leave that at that. Uh, but you know, I, 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 first of all, I don't think it's a problem. Did ECW have a problem that most of their audience was fucking teenage to early twenties males? Did they have a problem with that? Did that was that bad for that company, or did that, or did that just make them a bunch of fucking rabid fans? And any girl that would go there just would be fucking cheered for having the fucking, you know, the 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 tits to go. Right. You know what I mean by that. Like it sounds like a hell of an idea for a business venture. I'm not exactly. I'm sure. just saying, if a guy's got balls to do something, a woman's got tits to do something. I don't know what. I don't know how the the, the fortitude of that. Tits to go. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying. From your friends at Grimm's to go. <laughs> um, Tits to go does sound great. It's, it's just, I mean, I, 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 it would just have to be a drive-through strip club. How is that not like the name of like Hooters delivery service? <laughs> Tits to go. Get your barbecue wings. Just in time for the big game. Um, <laughs> I will say that like. I have not been to an AEW show, but the last show that I went to wrestling related was a WWE show, like just shortly before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. like in 2020, January of 2020. So you couldn't have cut it much closer. Um, And I, that is one thing that I noticed is that, geez, I just fucking couldn't stretch my arms out without fucking touching a woman. There was women everywhere, just fucking from wall to wall, nothing but ladies and kids just bumping into you everywhere. Right. Which I, I mean, I guess it's part for the course. It's just, you know, that's where kids come from. So it's, it, just, <laughs> it makes sense. Um, women and children everywhere. I, no, I did see like two or three very bored looking girlfriends, but that's a problem that wrestling companies have had since time and continuum. This is like, how do you attract the a larger swab of people? And I, I, WWE has that problem too. Like you said, exactly. You know, the perfect point is they like to cater to children and they like to cater to women where they have, you know, all the reality shows, the total divas, total bellas. It's not a thing anymore, but you know what I'm talking about. And the whole, you know, like the, they, they dedicate the whole month to the Susan Z. Coleman thing and all that kind of stuff. And just, but again, time and time again, it's been revealed that the, the most common viewership base for them is men and older men so like they're not they're falling short of that mark quite significantly their own selves mm-hmm. so i don't know you know i don't know how you attract more female viewers how you attract more you know children or whatever um well actually though i will say the amount of people that want jericho to fuck off based on just what i've been seeing on twitter i think they are bringing in a younger crowd Oh, because wow. there's a lot of people that just like, oh, what's this old fat guy doing on my TV? And it's like, yeah, you're young. You're definitely young. Um, yeah. Um, no, please go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, no, I just it's just sort of a kind of collection of thoughts. I had no real solid point to that. But like it's just women's wrestling sort of in the mainstream as a whole, WWAW, it's just getting to the point where – it's becoming more of a thing and it's like WWE for the longest time treated it like it was like a sideshow attraction or just TNA or whatever. 
they're starting to actually, you know, have they have a solid women's division now. AEW has solidified. That was their biggest sort of weakness for a long time, but mm. they're where they need to be now. So I think it's kind of just a matter of time. Eventually, there's going to be more and more people hearing and seeing, you know, th- th- what the women are doing there and wanting to check it out and, you know, potentially sticking around and following the company long term. Yeah, and you're right. We, we, I mean, at the beginning of the AEW era, we complained about the women's division time and time again. It was, it was awful. It was awful. It was awful. Uh, it got a little better, and then next thing you know, we're where we're at now. And now, I think their women's division is one of the best. I mean, uh, out there. I mean, it's better than WWE at this point. Um, so good for them. Which, and again, I, I, first of all, let's be honest here. When they show these crowds, it's 90% hard camera. <clears throat> you paid for a ticket, you sit where you sit. You, uh, these people know where the fucking hard camera is. These are fucking smart Mark fans. No offense, Mark. Uh, that's what they are. They know where the fucking hard camera is. That's where they want to fucking sit. You're uh, unfortunately, you're going to get fucking guys that want to do that. There's always a few women in the crowd. Just like when you're looking at WWE's hard camera, there's a few women in the crowd. You really, how many times do you see really little kids at a WWE show on Monday night? Right. You do, but not many. Not that many. So it's just like, you know, your company has the same problem, Booker T. I'm not sure why you would go after w, uh, AEW for this problem. Um, once again, if they look at their own demographics, they're not hitting it, which is why WWE is low in the 18 to 49 demographic because most of their fans are 50 and over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I don't know, man, but they are the, uh, there you go. Dirk says, I'm right. They are the smart, the smart Mark fans that are going to go for those seats. They know where they want to be. They're on camera. They can hold up their, their free Ali signs, which I saw another one this week, one last week. And that, the fuck are my kids doing in the bathroom? It's 11 o'clock. They have school tomorrow. God damn it. So it's just, it's, I, 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 it's, I don't know. It's just strange that he would go after AEW for the same problem WWE has and documented because they're a public company on their corporate website. If you go to their corporate website, you can see all this that I'm talking about here. Right. So anyway, like I said, the, 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 the smart, <laughs> the smart Mark Wahlberg fans, uh, <laughs> That's a whole. That's a whole another spinoff category in its own right. That'd be the smart, 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 Mark, smart Wahlberg. People that really know a lot about that fucking movie about the Boston Marathon. All right, why don't you just take over here? I'm confusing myself. Patriots Day. <laughs> that's what I was trying to. Think of. I, I was trying to find the name of the movie. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't either. Um. <laughs> I will say, though, I think if anything, not that it really has anything to do with them getting women, but just the women's division in general, I feel like AEW does a better job of giving their female performers their own individual personalities. 
because it feels like we were complaining about this a while back where it seemed like there was like four women on the WWE roster that had just the same gimmick and it was just that they're the best. Right. And that was about it. Like there was really no other defining characteristics. It was like Charlotte and Becky and even for a while Bianca. Like just they was all had the same fucking gimmick, which is that they're the best. And that was it. Yeah. And just like with AEW, their women's division, like for example, just like you know, Britt Baker feels different than Jade Cargill than the bunny. This is it. They all feel like different characters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely they do, man. And um yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's it. Again, you're going to attract who you attract. Again, they're both, you've got WWE, once again, TVPG, and you've got the other company, AEW, which is TV14. So they're trying to attract a different audience. They're going for that different audience. So even outside of that, just being a regular TV show. Like, I I hate to sound like super old by saying it, but like, do kids even really watch. Like regular TV shows, these I don't no. really see a lot of kids watching that many. You know, nowadays they're just you know it's YouTube videos or Twitch streamers or what have you. Like, you know, my younger cousins like that they watch people you know fucking playing with toys on YouTube. That's it. Yeah, absolutely, man. L- l- listen, I've got a thirteen-year-old and a fucking nine-year-old at this point, and the and a two-year-old, but she doesn't watch. Well, she does watch TV now, but these kids watch i mean we had cable but no they would jump on the fucking roku and they would watch youtube and they asked us to get hulu they wanted to get netflix because uh my son found this anime on netflix so renewed our netflix subscription so it's just they don't watch television anymore they don't care about fucking tv and i gotta tell you as much as wrestling on is on around here my kids don't give a shit about fucking wrestling. Right. They don't. My kids would rather go in the bedroom and watch fucking YouTube videos on games they play. They watch people play games. Yes, my kids watch people play video games. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a common thing these days. Baffling smart. I do it too, but like, I don't want to explain why, because then I feel like we get into a darker place with this, because I feel like it's more of just like I'm feeling too lazy or depressed to actually play video games. <laughs> so it's just like, I'll watch somebody else do it, fucking. But, um, like, but then sometimes there's also those videos, though, where it's, a, you know, they teach you how to play it or like how to be better if, you know, it's like a first person shooter or whatever, how to stop dying so quickly. No, they watch like Roblox and couple of like building games they have and minecraft minecraft absolutely tons of them and i'm telling you dude my my 13 year old can literally go in the game and make build a whole world and change code in minecraft which really if you think about it you should be you should definitely be happy for the invention of minecraft because if you think about it, it's basically taken over like a, a good portion of like what would normally be fucking Lego's market and based on how expensive Lego is. Yeah. The fact that it's a one time purchase for Fortnite or not Fortnite, Minecraft. Yeah. And then maybe there's like DLC or whatever, but Mm-mm. it's a lot cheaper than fucking Legos. No, you got to pay for every upgrade. Ooh. Oh, yes, because that was their Christmas present. Mm. That was their okay. Christmas. They asked. I'm whispering because my kids are awake. They asked Santa 
for a Minecraft upgrade and yeah. and a Fortnite upgrade. They were forty nine ninety nine each. Damn, Legos said still kind of better than Legos. Yes. Legos are fucking expensive. But here's the thing: grandparents will buy Lego sets. Grandparents ain't buying your kids' computer shit. <laughs> At least mine. <laughs> At least my yeah, by and have. large. So that's the thing. Uh, and my kids have, and my kids have so many fucking Lego sets, dude. And they lose pieces. And now my two-year-old picks up the pieces, and they're gone. So basically, they just have like nine gajillion Legos that they mess with, but. My younger one messes with them. My older one's just getting way too old to do all that. So, you know, he's almost... That's never a Lego, you know, kid. I, I was a, well, a Tigger toy kid. But anyway. I think really, and I mean, it wasn't any cheaper because there was always new ones, but I was always just big into the wrestling action figures. So it'd be uh, the wrestling action figures, and then, like, if there was a new ring out or a new... You know, playset or whatever. Like I had the the Titantron playset where they had the little fucking like magnetic strips on the bottom of their like would be boots on the action figures, and like you place them on the Titantron and they play like a five second wave file of their fucking entrance songs. This was like late nineties, early two thousands, I think. But it was, it was a cool little toy. Yeah, you forget. I had the little thumb toys, and they were like state of the art at that point. Mm-hmm. If you, yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen those. Yeah, for the moment. I mean, I've seen like, yeah, I think I have, but like, I get what you're saying. And then there was also those like real early draft, like the fucking I forget what I forget what they were called, but they were the ones like in the '80s where you would have the wrestlers actually do the commercials for them. Where you had like Roddy Piper just yelling at children, was like they're bad enough to be talking tough, (laughs) which is actually a damn good Piper impression just for like out of nowhere. But that was now, but but we also had, but we had wrestle buddies. Yeah, wrestle buddy. They still have wrestle buddies. No, but days. I had, I had, I, you know, you look back to when you were a kid. If you're around my age, and you're like, "Why did I get rid of that? Why did I get rid of that? Because they're worth fucking money now." I got rid of all of them except I have a Macho Man, mm. where from his time in WCW, where like you squeeze his arms and he'll talk, and you squeeze his nose and he'll talk. Ah, all right, all right. Well. Hopefully sooner rather than later we'll be able to actually show people stuff like that uh, <laughs> while we're talking. But anyway, let's. Uh, I get you know what I got one that one video or audio I'm going to play for you guys. Um, I'm playing them off my phone, so I apologize if the audio is weird or something. Um, but Goldberg came back Friday night. Indeed. And Goldberg came back, and Biggie and him had a little, not confrontation, but moment where Biggie just kind of, I don't know, wanted to go over, talk to Goldberg, and tell him how much something that uh, happened a long time ago had meant to him when he went to actually meet Goldberg. So give me a minute, and let's see if this is going to play. Come on, baby. Hey, I'm really proud of you, dude. Whether that means anything or not, I ain't doing it because of that, but you're doing a 
hell of a job. Well, thank you, man. You really are. I appreciate it's, uh, it. I feel like I'm kind of part of what you're doing. No, for real, man. It's funny. I was going through my old stuff in my closet last week, and I found the 8x10 that you signed, signed over 20 years ago, easily. But nah, man. You were... And like I said, I've told people this. I don't know what kind of day you had, but the 20 seconds or so you spent with me and my dad, you had a smile on your face. You made us feel like Judge you were, man. You know. But I remember 20 plus years later. So well, that's why that. you do the things that you do, so yeah. that one person understands how you truly are as a human being. And right. at the end of the day, you hope everybody does. So For sure. Carry the torch. Thanks, man. For real. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. I just appreciate every single human being that's been a fan at any time of my career because that means I did something right along the way. People see me as a mythical character in the ring every once in a while. And I'm here to show people that it doesn't matter your age. It matters only about your desire and your willingness to work. All right, so I'm not quite sure when this is from. But uh, that was a cool little moment right there, yeah. With him and Biggie, Biggie. I mean, I've, I've, I know Biggie's little run didn't go the way I think he wanted it to. I don't think it went the way anyone wanted it to. Um, and there's actually rumors going around that even the backstage, the roster is not happy with the way Biggie's run went. Uh, but whatever uh, <laughs> i'm i'm not happy with it either obviously like i said they they had a they really had a great a, a big personality on their hands that they could have done way more with way sure. more with i mean just so much more with and like i said the guy has always checked every box for me i've said a thousand times if not a, a fucking million times that this guy is just Biggie is the kind of guy I would have on every fucking television show, every goddamn radio show. He's gonna fucking he's not gonna say anything insane. He is a funny guy. He is a very personable guy. He's a likable guy. I would have stuck that guy everywhere with that goddamn belt on his fucking shoulder. I don't care if he was doing radio. I would have told him to put that fucking belt on his shoulder while he's doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, you know, plug the fucking... He knows to fucking plug the company. He knows to do this. He knows to do that. I just... I did... I, I think they had a really, really big thing on their hands, and they just... Uh, they just kind of squandered it with, with Big E. Um, but cool little moment there. I just wanted to kind of play that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess from there, we just jump right into AEW, man. Sure, let's do it. All right. Like I said, I didn't miss a little bit of AEW. Um, I think I only missed one thing from what I've seen. I only missed one thing. But uh, yeah, but like as Aerosmith would, what would like you to believe? You don't want to miss the thing. <laughs> Even if I close my eyes. All right. <laughs> anyway, we've had enough music tonight, and me trying to sing. I know I can't sing, so don't worry about it. Um. This was AEW Dynamite. We had a huge announcement tonight, Smart. Yeah. Huge announcement. We'll get into it. Uh, actually, you're going to have to get into it because I missed it. Uh, I would just like to say, I just, I, it's been beaten to death. 
but I really wish that they could come up with a better fucking term than forbidden door. Because I've got to the point now where I just immediately turn off as soon as I hear it. It just sounds so fucking corny. Forbidden closet? Just something like, just, I don't know, fucking talent initiatives, anything. Um, Let's try cross- to even well, if you called it something as douchey as fucking cross company synergy, it would still be less annoying. Ew. Yes, I know. Well, fucking even Cody's global penetration line is as bad now as fucking Forbidden Door, because at least that's like potentially some kind of a sexual reference that I can laugh at. All right. Well, well, I mean, we can't just say it's a bad name and not come up with a better name. I mean, okay. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. We don't actually have to solve things. That's not how criticism works. What? We just say why something is bad. We don't actually have to fix shit. All right. That's just okay. Part of okay. Being on the internet. What what could be better than Forbidden Door? Um, you could call it the uh, the no no spot. No, no. What do you think? Oh, yeah, the old no-no square. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, you can think of one here, Smart, if you'd like to. Um, <laughs> you got one better. Let's see. You can't call Okay. the, the I mean, all right, let's, let's break down what this forbidden door is, Smart. Maybe we can come up with something better here. Basically, intercompany commingling. Yeah. The wrestling key party. Oh, we could just call it commingling. Okay, <laughs> I mean I don't know. I kind of agree with you. The forbidden door thing is a little weird. The 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 the, the odd thing is that they also tried to uh, trademark forbidden portal. Mm-hmm. If you remember, we talked about that too. So that would have been even worse. That sounds like a fucking like uh, Mortal Kombat character or something. No, nah, it's a sci- it's a sci fi movie. It's again Cinemax at two in the morning. You could, you, I mean, we could even go back to like, like Super Mario Brothers, like in warp zones were basically portals, dude. That would actually kind of be a cool name. It came through the warp zone. Oh, there yeah, wouldn't be bad at all. The Forbidden Warp Zone. I don't know about that one, but um, I get where you're going. It really is bad. This Forbidden Door. He did this whole thing on Busted Open where he talked about the Forbidden Door being slammed shut. And never opened again. How about just never mentioned again? I'm with you there, dude. I am with you right there. Uh, But anyway, we get Wardlow coming out right at the beginning here. We see MJF's little scarf on the walkway up. Um, But we get Wardlow coming out. He's got a cardboard cutout of MJF and one of MJF choking CM Punk out, Mark. Mm -hmm. And he hands Justin uh, Justin Roberts... Uh, like a little, like a note, little piece of paper. Uh, and Justin Roberts introduces FTR and Tully in this grandiose way that I just kind of chuckled at. Um, and then Sean Spears comes out looking like a complete douchebag in a suit with a fucking hat on with no shirt on. I mean, just what the fuck is he going for? You want, you want to talk about what, who am I? Like Flair said, what character is Sean Spears? What mm-hmm. he just he just carries a chair? He's a guy that carries a chair. Jesus he's a Christ. way less cool version of Laparco because he's it's the whole chair thing. Oh, I mean the but, guy. No, I mean that's AEW tradition though. As we talked about this a million times, it's just that's what how you can tell their heels is that they're wearing outlandish outfits. Yeah, you got a point. So, 
whatever. He looks like a fucking douchebag, and the guy that carries the chairs is usually with fucking just some kid. But anyway, um, <laughs> he comes out, and Sean Spears hands Justin Roberts like a folder. I'm like, is he going to bring out a trapper keeper? That would have been fucking awesome, by the way. <laughs> and Roberts reads like this novel introducing MJF. It was uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't even give a shit. Um, and MJF comes out on this throne. He's being carried. I don't know what they call that thing. Uh, oh, they said it, too. They okay. did. They did. And I didn't catch it. And I wasn't going to fucking rewind it. Um. But as you're looking that up, Smart, which I appreciate you doing, uh, he has these two girls that are walking in front, and he gives one of them a little kiss on the cheek. She, she, you know, she kisses him on the cheek, and the other one, like fucking, he makes out with. Uh, yes, and while I am looking it up, I will post here in the Mixler chat. Somebody has gone through the effort of um, finding out a little bit more in the background of this here lady, and has been kind enough to share. Uh, very tastefully done photos of her. I guess it's his girlfriend. That's what they're saying. I mean, oh. it kind of makes sense since he uh, gave her a proper tongue probing on the show. I pretty. I that's a. I love. I like red. <laughs> Let's just leave it. I really. Oh, oh, I like red. Oh, see, damn. It was actually a redhead in high school. I had a little crush on. It's never really been my thing, but I mean, not they're bad looking, but it's just oh, it was never really my demographic. No, she's more of an auburn red, which is nice. But yeah, definitely nice little, little curve there. Definitely good looking girl. Thank you, Smart, yeah, for elaborating again. We'll uh, hopefully be able to show you those pictures very soon as we're talking, but anyway, um, yeah, he did, he just made out with that girl. If that's his girlfriend, awesome. Nice, good-looking girl. And like I said, I like red. Uh, MJF starts cutting a promo, and surprisingly, the, cl- the crowd started chanting, shut the fuck up at him. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit. But then again, that's what he's out there to do is get heat, and he can handle it. He can take the fucking heat. That's what he's there to do, unlike Brandy Rhodes, who doesn't know how to fucking deal with it because she thinks that everyone loves her. Did I say that? Sorry about that. Um, You're not wrong. No, um, I'm not. And I'm actually not sorry either. So <laughs> MJF uh, goes out there and he starts talking about how he's going to credit the one person that helped him win this match and helped him pin CM Punk twice. And he credits Sean Spears, not Wardlow. Um, so Wardlow looks pissed throughout this whole little segment here. Um, and then Punk comes out. Punk's got no music, just walks out. The crowd is erupting in CM Punk chants. Uh, Shivoni walks over. He's got the mic. Punk says, look, I learned from the last few weeks. I've got friends tonight. Darby and Sting come out, and they got bats in their hand. Um, Of course. Punk says he wants a rematch, but not against MJF, against Wardlow. And then finally... Uh, Punk decides to credit Wardlow for all the all Pinnacle's wins. MJF tells Punk, "Listen, you want to? You can find a partner tonight and beat FTR. I will give you that rematch, but it can't be Darby or Sting." 
So that was it for that part. I got to say, I kind of like this, but it, it it was kind of overdone a little bit. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, a little bit. By overdone, I just mean there was a little too long. I mean, it was only 20-some minutes, which is usual for a show like this, but just didn't need to go this far. And, and let's face it, nine out of fucking, let's face it, 99 out of 100 times, AEW doesn't start with a talking segment. It kicks off with a match right away. Well, actually, I'm glad you said that because I, I did sort of. I was still looking it up. I'm, I'm it's lost to history. We'll never figure out what the fucking chair thing was called. But I, I did notice that they were roughly 45 minutes into the show, and there had only been one match. Mm. Yeah. And it's like that was just a very un AEW situation because obviously, like you said, they usually start with a match, and then there's usually like less talking segments. But there was a, this was a pretty long talking segment to begin the show, and then there was another one like right after. And there just there was a lot of talking going on. Yeah, yeah, there really was, man. And it it, it surprised me too. I was kind of like, wow, they usually don't start. I mean, they usually kick off with a fucking banger of a fucking match. <laughs> but no, we got this instead. So it wasn't bad. Like I said, it was a little overdone. Didn't need to be as long as it was. But um, anyway, uh, MJF told Wardlow, "Get ready because you got a match next." And he did have a match with the Blade. Uh, who I swear to God, this guy. Every time this guy comes out, he looks like he's a little more ripped. Yeah. Oh my God. And, I mean, the older he gets, the ripped, the more ripped he gets. It's a fucking amazing. <laughs> Just every strand of hair he loses, he puts on ten pounds of muscle. It seems like it. I mean, unbelievable. This fucking guy. Uh, I kind of feel bad for him because like he's in great shape and he has like kind of a cool look, but like that's it. Like, nothing he really does in the ring is all that entertaining to me, and there's really nothing else about his character that really draws me in. Yeah. But, I mean, he does look great. He does. He absolutely fucking does. Um, So, he's out there. The crowd really loves Wardlow. I gotta say, man. They really do. They are so ready. It's... I think it's time to pull the trigger, either at Revolution or right before, because... The crowd is ready to have him as a babyface, and and I think alone. And if you wait too long, it's not going to be that that powerful. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. So I think they really need to pull the trigger on what's going to happen here. It looks like they're ready to within the next week or two. I hope they do. Um, he uh, Wardlow basically beat the shit out of Blade for like six minutes and four power bombs, whatever that is. Because uh, I literally made a like snack and came back and it was still going on. Mm. Well, what happened was they went to picture in picture. They didn't want to end the match on picture in picture. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what happened there. I believe. Um, like I said, he just beat the shit out of Blade, hits the four power bombs, pins him, um, and then Spears comes in once again, kind of as. Wardlow was celebrating, hits Blade with the chair, once again taken away from Wardlow's moment of winning, which he's been doing, um, again, adding to the whole thing with Wardlow needing to be on his own. And Punk was even saying it tonight. Dude, you got got to get away from those guys. 
they're fucking holding they're holding you back. They have two stories of holding people back. Mm-hmm. A little weird. And we're actually getting into the next one right now, which is um, we come back. Jericho's music hits. Him and Sammy and Jake come out. Jericho's like, I haven't seen Santana and Ortiz all day. Bang, their music hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they come out. Um, Jericho starts off again. Yeah, I was embarrassed. You guys didn't tag me in. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, <laughs> Santana says, cut the shit. Let's cut the shit, Smark. Mm, yes. And says, uh, basically tells him, look, Jericho only cares about one person, and that's Jericho. Uh, and he says, Jeff, basically saying, look, you, you definitely keep still on our spotlight. We've seen it. And um, say they're tied to play in second fiddle, Santana says. They're tied to play in second fiddle to them. And Santana also says, listen, you, you should thank Ortiz. Because if it wasn't for him, I would have knocked you on your ass a long fucking time ago. Indeed. Which I, th- I thought was a pretty good. Uh, again, I'm 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 actually I'm really liking this. Actually, what's going on here? I didn't think I was going to, but believe it or not, this is actually pretty cool. Because I don't think this is going to some elaborate angle where they just stay together. I actually think there might be a little bit of a split here. Um, yeah, I can't imagine that they would. No, no, and. Jericho says that Santana reminds him of a of an Eddie Guerrero, which I I thought would have got a bigger pop from this audience, which should be the age of this audience. Not I that wonder yeah. though, like it, it's nothing it has nothing to do with Eddie Guerrero as an individual or whatever his legacy anything like that. I just wonder if people have just gone to the well one too many times with that because like I just I'm almost constantly seeing anytime there's like a and I mean, that speaks to his legacy, but anytime that there's like a, uh, you know, luchador, or Latin wrestler, whatever, they, they'll, they'll do the Eddie Guerrero thing. They'll do the three suplexes and sometimes do the frog splash, whatever. I just I wonder if it's just a matter of just a law of diminishing returns with that. It could be that 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 could be. And I mean, it's not like he didn't get any sort of pop for the name, but I, I just expected a bigger one. You could be right. Maybe they just do go, you know. To the well on that one too much. Just it's kind of the go-to Latin wrestler mm-hmm. remark. You're right. You're you're totally right. And I could definitely see where that's why the crowd didn't react the way they that uh I think even Jericho expected them to when he said the name. And right. you know what? Let's face it, it's not a WWE crowd who would fucking pop for that name. Sure. They would. You know they would. I know they would. If any, if, if Jericho was still there and brought up Guerrero, that would have been a huge pop right there in a WWE crowd. Yeah. Because WWE's crowd is old enough to remember. But anyway, see Booker T. Uh, <laughs> Jericho's like, dude. Uh, he pulled Janet Jackson. He says, "What? Did, what has Eddie Kingston done for you lately? <laughs> you know, what have you done for me lately?" Oh. Mm-hmm. Need an older person on here for that. See, once again, I at least acknowledge your shitty jokes. Um, but <laughs> I gotta be honest, yeah, the reference ometer was on the Fritz during that one. Okay, that's fine. And when you say Jerry Jackson, my mind just kind of goes to other places, especially since we're uh, on Super Bowl week. On Super Bowl week, absolutely. She ruined everything. Let's just, uh, I'm, I'm telling <laughs> she, you, she sure did. She fucked she everything ruined up. Everything. She ruined everything. I'm telling you, me and Anthony have fucking dug into this. Janet Jackson's titty ruined everything. But anyway, um, 
<laughs> Jer- most controversial titty of all time. It was. Jericho asks, uh, Santana, well, we've had a Kingston done for you lately in AEW. And uh, maybe, and this was a great line. Maybe I picked the wrong two members of LAX. And then he looks at Hager and goes, you got uh, the number for Homicide and Hernandez? And Santana just lost his fucking mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you just went from being compared to Eddie Guerrero to being compared to Hernandez. Yeah, exactly. That's a big draw. You don't need Hernandez's number. You just got to call Homicide. After a while, it'll, it'll come. Yeah. He's yeah. always just sort of hanging around. Yeah, he'll find like, out. He, he might even get you a low key there, too. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, Oh, well, <laughs> might want to block that number. Yeah. Um, the, I, I thought that was a great line. Great reason for Santana to run at him. Run at him. San, Sammy gets involved, and Jericho yells, shut up, Adam. Sammy was hurt by this. <laughs> Which was pretty great, because he was like, guys, you're my friends. If we could all just kind of shut up, Sammy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. All right. Jeez, calm down, uh, buddy. Uh, basically what he did, calm down, take it easy. But uh, basically, Sammy, after the yelling, just drops his fucking jacket. And he's like, look, when you guys work this shit out, maybe I'll come back. I've quit this shit before. I'll fucking do it again. So he left, um, which leaves Santana, Ortiz, Jericho, and Hager in the ring. And Ortiz makes a match for next week. Santana and Ortiz versus Jericho and Hager. So we'll see what happens next week. Like I said, I don't see this going to this elaborate oh they're not going anywhere we're still fucking you know we still are who we are we're in the inner circle I don't see that going I think this is where the split starts I think they're going to get rid of a few of their factions and maybe even make a few new ones to kind of shake things up yeah I think it's yeah it's more of a switching than you know getting rid of some of the old ones getting bringing in some new ones maybe retooling some existing ones so on and so forth with that Jericho might also have a tour coming up and be leaving for a while. Yeah, there's that. But I mean, they have sort of, I mean, they kind of really have outgrown their usefulness as a stable. Uh huh. Because I, I mean, I, I'm not for always you know, splitting people up. I don't want to be, that's kind of a WWE move. But like, Sammy doesn't need it anymore. Santana Ortiz, in my opinion, never really needed it. But like now people are familiar with them. So even more so, they don't need it. And, you know, Jericho can do good on his own. Really, the only person that kind of hurts is Hager, but there's really yes. no reason why you can't just leave him with Jericho. There's no rule that says you can't. So you just leave them together, and then there you go. I was pretty impressed, though, because uh, there was a lot of talking from Santana, and I didn't really know that he had that in him because he, do- he did really well. Oh, yeah. He did really well in the speaking segment, and that was kind of, if ever there was a knock on Santana and Ortiz, just that they never really had that kind of big promo. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't like super great talkers. They they were good, but they weren't like you know memorable talkers. But it seems like they picked up on the charisma department there. So good for them on that one. And then of course him just fucking. <laughs> my favorite part of it is like towards the end, as Jericho's continuing to talk shit, Santana just mugging to the camera and just pointing to him like, "Ah, can you believe this guy?" <laughs> like, there's going to be a lot of gifts of that soon. That is pretty great. Yeah, there was, was a little confusing mm-hmm. though. Is that they mentioned LAX, and but then they mentioned like like you're saying like what has Eddie Kingston done for you in AEW? 
So it's like, are they going to mention the fact that he did manage them in Impact? They're being like kind of murky on their history, which I don't know, maybe that comes out later, but that part's a little confusing that they're like acknowledging their iteration as LAX, but they're not mentioning that he managed them and there was a whole thing with Conan and all that. Mm. I don't know if they will or if they won't or if they even really need to, but it's just that that part's a little bit weird. They're hinting that they're going to with the whole, you know, he, he, he's a brother in arms and this and that. Uh, they may. They may mention that. I don't know where they're going either, but I guess we'll see next week what happens. Um, I don't know when Kingston's coming back from the uh, orbital injury, so we'll have to see how that works Three weeks. I think that's been about three weeks since we that happened. This would be yeah. This would be the third show, so maybe three weeks, maybe maybe one more week after this. uh, Let this kind of. I don't know if I would have Eddie involved that get involved next week and fuck anybody over. I think that would be a pretty shitty way to end this little kind of blow off. Yeah. But the week after I think would be a good time for uh, Kingston to come back and do something. Right. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So, um, so this was the point where I had to go get my kids. Now I did see Jay white come in. And uh, I think he was the slam the forbidden door uh, guy. And, he was. But it looks like I missed another big surprise. And by big, I do mean a big surprise in Keith Lee. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, yeah, so they had the, the Jay White segment where he beats up Rapungi Vice. And uh, right immediately from that, you do get the... Isaiah Cassidy mystery opponent for the, the uh, ladder match, face of the revolution ladder match, where they're like, he's like, they've been talking about for the last week or so that it's going to be this mystery person. They're going to come out, they're going to sign a contract. They're going to be part of the company long-term. And it was not necessarily the best kept secret, but sure enough, out comes Keith Lee and they end up having their match. And he, I mean, it was kind of what you would expect. It was pretty much a squash match, but it was really just more of a demo of what Keith Lee can do. Right. Like the crowd was fucking ecstatic for it. Tony Schiavone was putting over just how big he is and just, you know, Jim Ross putting over how much of an athlete he is, how, he, you know, even though he is a big man, how much, how nimble he is and how he can move and just the whole package that he has to offer. Um yeah, like I said, basically just kind of a squash. He didn't really, you know, he didn't go through his entire move set, which I don't blame him. They don't need right. him to do everything that he can do yet. But he showcased his agility a little bit. He did like one. He did a, a like a leapfrog, but did like a leapfrog in reverse. Mm-hmm. So and that was pretty cool. And you know, he had uh, one thing that I don't think he was doing in WWE that he's doing now. Is he did a springboard into a body clash, which Ooh. was pretty cool. It was like I, I like that. That was nice. Because he just like springboards and he lands on top of him and pins him, and that wasn't his finish. His finish is still you know what it was before, but it was a pretty good showing for him. Nice. I I will check it out because I definitely want to see that. I saw a couple of little clips uh, again. If you go on the uh, AEW on TV, you can see a few clips here and there, and that's where I that's where I went when I got back. Um, but uh, good for Keith Lee. And again, I think it's kind of funny that. Uh, him and me and were trying to fool people with old vacation pictures like they were on their honeymoon. I, I was a little curious, though, because, I mean, they, he did just get married over the weekend. So I was like, nah, maybe he is going to, you know, do his honeymoon or whatever. Well, but he wasn't announced for uh, 
rampage. So we still got the fucking still got a few days. Yeah. Make yeah, this, you know, do your appearance. Go to your honeymoon. You come back. Bang. You got fucking seven days until fucking the next uh, next uh, dynamite. So you're good to go. Right. So, I mean, I, I never even had a fucking honeymoon. I, I've never had one. I've never had a vacation, a honeymoon, nothing. Which, I mean, to be fair, I mean, when you when you are in the business that you're in, you can, like, either bring them along or, in all likelihood, they're probably going to be working together sooner than later. So it's like you kind of get that opportunity wherever you are, you know. Yeah, I could definitely see Mia Yim joining him over here very soon, by the way, like you just said, kind of, in a way, roundabout. But I mean, yeah, I was I was reading I'm reading a recap from Forbes here just to see if there's anything that I missed about that segment. Like they said, AEW and Keith Lee nailed this debut. Keith Lee felt like the biggest star in wrestling throughout this match. And it's like a little bit of hyperbole there, but not that much because it was like the crowd was absolutely fucking nuts for him. Wow. They did a great job of commentary putting him on. And like he just, you know, it is what it, he he does have his own charisma about him. And he was just being, you know, out there just being super smug, but like in somehow a relatable way, the way that he does. So, yeah, it was a really good showing. Well, again, I mean, here's a guy who everyone knows WWE didn't treat him correctly. Um, he had this whole health thing. We all know that. Again, I still think WWE may have gotten rid of him for fear of having him cleared. But he's had a good time to rest. He's had a, a, a three months to heal from whatever was going on with him. So he's had time. And I'm sure he's been checked out. I'm sure he's all good to go. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had him in there. And um, I don't know. I, I really feel that WWE just kind of here's another guy we we said the word squander a few times they just squandered every opportunity they had with this guy and I think AEW fans that especially the hardcore ones that despise WWE would have flipped out for this guy just the stories that were coming out about the way WWE treated him and especially at the end where they changed his name he said it wasn't his idea it wasn't a tribute to anybody and i just i think it's a good thing for him to be here i think the even the AE, obviously even the like you said they got a great cheer the AEW hardcores will eat eat everything up that he does for a while I think it was just a case of them micromanaging things too much. Yeah. Because if you just if you watch the debut, it's like you sit there and, and all, and it's like, how did they fucking drop the ball on this guy? But then when you look back at his time, it was one thing after another. Do they want him to wear a singlet? Do they want him to wear trunks? What is it? What do they want his theme music to be? What is his character? We don't know his character. We're giving him a nickname. We're not giving him a nickname. It was just like one thing after the other, where it's like just let him do what he does, and you know, you'll you have a star. Well, like just don't get in your own way. Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. I don't give a fuck if he wears a singlet. I don't give a fuck if he wears trunks. I don't fucking care. I really don't give a fuck about his goddamn theme music, to be honest with you. I know that was a big part of his NXT thing. Fine. WWE wanted to change it because they were having this whole scuttlebutt with uh, CEO money sign or whoever they are, CFO money sign. So they change his music. I get it. I don't care. The guy could fucking go out there. I I enjoy his promo style for him. 
I think it fits him. I've said that before. It fits him only. I don't think it would fit anybody else. I enjoy his promo style. I enjoy his work in the ring. And I, it, I just don't. That they just they fucked with the smaller shit that no one gave a shit about and didn't concentrate on the fact that the guy was fucking a beast and could go out there and fucking kill someone and make it look believable. Right. I mean, they got he got a fucking pop off of doing a beal. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you don't see that in today's wrestling. Well, I mean, let's because he took he, he took Isaiah Cassidy and he chucked him <laughs> from one side to the ring to the other with just a beal, like basically just a hip toss, and people lost their fucking minds. It's like if you get somebody that can get a pop off of doing the basic of most basic moves, yeah, but just doing it in a cool way, it's like how do you how do you fuck this up? Like it's it's not hard. And then I, I but then again, I also think with them. I feel like image comes into play a little bit. And like, mm-hmm. obviously he's not ripped, but it doesn't really fucking matter. No, dude. The, the, one of the most memorable things he did is when he, uh, hit Adam Cole. Remember that? Mm-hmm. When he fucking chalk blocked him over the fucking guardrail. Yeah. Out of nowhere. No one saw this man coming. He came out from the back, nailed this guy. That was one of those. I mean, the, the guy is a fucking beast. He's, you don't even need to book him. He books himself. He writes his own fucking storyline. He's the easy. He'd be the one of the easiest guys to book if 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 I was creative. How do we book? Right. Let's see. What do we do for Keith Lee? I'm gonna have him go out there and kill someone. Oh, perfect. <laughs> mm. That's it. Every week. That's all you need to do. All right, he can lose here and there, but have him go out there and fucking kill people. That's it. Simple. I mean, I guess, it's kind of, I guess it's just kind of a WWE tradition, though. Because they had Vader, they had Bam Bam Bigelow, they had these, like, fucking 400-pound men that could do moonsaults, and they're just like, ah, let's just have them come out and talk about how they're fat pieces of shit. And it's like, what is wrong with you guys? Yeah. I don't know, man. You're right. I don't know. I don't get it, what they're doing here. Um, But let's hope AEW can use him better. I have a feeling they will. They're not known for knowing what to do with big guys, but let's face it, he's not the jacked big guy that we've seen AEW have a problem booking. So right. let's see what they do with a, I'm not going to call him fat because he's not fat. Let's see what they do with an old school big guy. Yeah. I yeah. will say he's also, that makes it a little bit easier. He's probably the most charismatic of the big guys that they have in their roster. Uh, I, I mean, you look at it. No, you you're Hobbs, right. You're right. He's, you know, Hobbs, Wardlow, Archer. I mean, you could say Brody Lee, but you know, not anymore. Brody uh, Lee was pretty charismatic, and I own, mean, right. Uh, right. But, you know, but a, I mean, that's a whole different discussion. Absolutely. And I mean, you know what? You're right. He does. He has this fucking. You know, he knows how to go out there and make his fucking power moves look powerful. And you know, he's not out there. Yes, he does athletic stuff in the ring, but he's. Not this huge jacked guy like a Brian Cage out there trying to be a fucking cruiserweight. Yeah, he knows how to pepper them in a little bit better, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, and there's more purpose to when when he does it. Yeah. Cage just kind of does a fucking flip because he wants to do a flip. Look, I'm a big guy. I'm a big guy who can do a flip. And I'm a a Brian Cage fan. I'm not going anywhere with that. But uh, anyway, um... When I came back, AQA was coming into the ring. I uh, had this little kind of 
cut promo where she was talking about how she's trained by Booker T. Uh, it was her versus Jade Cargill. Not a bad match, I got to say. Um, I will say Jade is still most definitely a work in progress. Yeah, that, that's kind of what surprised me is I felt like this was a real gutsy call mm-hmm. <laughs> to have these two wrestle for a multitude of reasons. Just on, first off, on any week, two people that are very green and very yeah. new, having them out there wrestle each other on a primetime television show is a gutsy call. I felt like it came out of okay. Like there was no like real memorable botches or anything that I could think of that happened. Like it wasn't a great match, but like I don't think anybody really messed anything up. But then on top of that, like. This week, if you think about it, Raw is on sci-fi. So, like, Raw's not going to do great numbers. And you've been promoting for a week now that you have this big signing and a lot of people suspected that it was going to be Keith Lee. So you got people tuning in for Keith Lee. You have people potentially tuning in for any number of people. You're going to have a lot of eyes on your product. This was kind of an odd call, a little bit of a gutsy move to put these two on during the show. Yeah, you're right. You're right, it wasn't, but but I, I will say, I kind of respect what they're doing. They're kind of giving Jade this sink or swim moment. Mm-hmm. You know, go out there, do what you can, sink or swim. I mean, if it's bad enough, they'll take the fucking title off of her. But I got to say, for right now, I think it's, I mean, more than passable. Yeah, she's doing <laughs> all right for herself. She is. And like I said, she's just, her body is incredible. She is just an incredible, incredible looking woman. Uh, she's just, you can believe she'd go out there and kick anyone's ass just because of her, her physique. So just incredible. So anyway, sticking to the women, I, we had this little backstage segment, I believe right after this with, uh, the bucks, which uh, fuck it. I don't even care. Uh, Serena Deeb came out after that, um, says she beat her last opponent, which I believe was red velvet, right? I'm going to say yes. I think so, too. In three minutes. So she makes a uh, professor five-minute challenge, which means she can beat anyone they put out there in five minutes, which I do think it's once again odd AEW puts out, which Jade Cargill does the open challenge, and then we get the five-minute challenge. So we have two challenges technically in a row. Um now, Katie Arquette was already in the ring. I got to admit, I have not seen any of her work before. I've actually, to be honest, I haven't really heard her name before. It's Mark, you? Oh, I have not. Uh, Forbes is doing some real journalism here. Oh. Katie Arquette has no relation to David Arquette, <laughs> but they have met. And there's an article here, and I'm just kind of skimming it since I didn't have time to read it. Apparently, she won the women's title in IWC, which is a kind of funny name for a wrestling promotion. But um, and David Arquette presented her with a fur coat. Okay, so I believe IWC is Insane Wrestling Championship, right? Um, not sh- international which, wrestling. International hotel. Okay. I, was, I had to read the okay. turnbuckle that she was po- perched against. Nope, nope. Oh, okay, the, there's there's two of them because there's one overseas, which is the insane wrestling, and there's uh, I've heard of that one you're talking about. I've heard of that one. Um, all right. So and listen, like I said, the match wasn't that horrible. Um, Serena D basically toyed with her for the first 
minute of the match, but still one in a minute. Um, decent match, but uh, just haven't seen much of Katie Arquette, but maybe we'll see more of her now. I don't think so. I got a feeling she's going back to dark. Yeah, probably for at least a little while. Yeah. Um, Real quick here, since we're barreling towards the main event here. Mm-hmm. Um, what else you missed? There was a, a quick little vignette with... Uh, Alex Abrahantes is talking about he was a narration. They did kind of a uh, similar to the video that Pac did when he got sprayed with the mist. There was a video for Pentagon where he got sprayed with the mist, I believe, on Dynamite last week. Mm. And it was basically just sort of Alex giving them a warning that uh, if Malachi Black wants to live in the darkness, then he should be prepared to deal with the consequences and all of that kind of situations. And it was interesting because they, they never really show Pentagon. Like they just show him his like legs and his arms and he's like digging a grave or he's digging something. Hmm. And what ends up being is that he digs up his old mask. So he's, apparently he's going back to the Pentagon dark persona. So that should be kind of cool. Oh, shit. Or as he teased on TV, it was Pentagon Escuro because it's, uh, I guess they might still end up owning Lucha Underground, the Pentagon Black name. So that's a little bit of a workaround ah. to just use the Spanish name for that. Um, and then there was also uh, CM Punk and a mystery partner versus FTR. If CM Punk won, he got to have a match anytime, anywhere against MJF. Yes. The mystery partner ended up being John Moxley. And that was pretty cool. And uh, it was a pretty balanced you know, back and forth match. It was a decent match. And uh, Punk and Moxley ended up pulling it off. So. Punk gets his match against MJF whenever he wants to. Awesome. And any match. There was all if you remember that MJF also said any stipulation. Mm-hmm. Any kind of match you want, any match you anywhere. So we'll see what uh what Punk picks. I have a feeling next week we're gonna see what he picks. They were they're saying, I guess all out this has a potential like prediction. They were saying that uh, All Out is supposed to be in Chicago this year. So mm. potentially there and MJF has been teasing, challenging for the world title. So if he ends up winning that, maybe that's when Punk cashes in. Oh, interesting. I definitely see MJF having the title by the end of the year. Yeah, more than likely. Absolutely. Absolutely. I see that. Yeah. All right, so let's get to this main event. Ah, this show went way longer than I thought it was going to, but of course, when you you know you're talking about uh, you know '90s music and shit like that. Yes, there's a large chunk about country music, country music, and '90s country music and shit like that. Just 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 goes everywhere. All right, we got Hangman Adam Page versus Lance Archer. This was in a Texas death match, not in Texas. Um, so let me get into the most confusing part of the match, which was the end. Now, Smart, this is a death match, correct? Mm-hmm. Are there countouts in death matches? Not typically. Then how did how did how did how did how did that's <laughs> the Texas element of it? That's what that's how it becomes a Texas death match, not just a regular death match. Okay, if it was Texas, it would have been just a bigger match because everything's bigger in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they a, just use larger versions of maybe like light tubes. Like a bigger ring or something. But um this made absolutely zero sense to me. I don't know if they ran out of time and this was the way they decided to end it. Um, anyway, Archer bled early in this match here and he was bleeding like a fucking stuck pig throughout most of this fucking match. Uh, Lambert comes down to the ring and he's unhooking the top turnbuckle, thus 
taking away the buckshot lariat from Adam from Page, Adam Page, because there's not another rope there that he could just do it off of, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, again, no sense made for what he did there. It just didn't make fucking sense to me. Meanwhile, he didn't. I don't think he used a buckshot lariat in this match at all, did he? Don't believe so. I don't believe so either. So they achieved their goal, even though it didn't make sense. Um, Archer was be- bleeding pretty bad, and I, by the end of the match, they were both fucking bleeding like stuck pigs. And I- I'll tell you, man, fucking, I think Paige got himself deep because he was, he wasn't th- that he was like that purple red. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, he was bleeding pretty good, like that fucking might have hit a vein red. Um, both guys were bleeding. Two tables set up outside the ring. At one point in the match, Jake goes to DDT Page, and Archer pushes him off. This was, again, nonsensical, because then Page gets a DDT anyway from Archer. I... I'm not quite sure why this had to happen. I, maybe they were just trying to show that Archer was pissed off. This was unnecessary, in my opinion. Um, Page starts hitting uh, kendo shots to Archer. He uh, and then next thing you know, Page gets choke slammed through a fucking trash can. Archer breaks out a fork, uh, starts gouging at Page's forehead. That looked painful. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, suddenly. Archer gets put to the tables and the ref is counting. And I'm like, what the fuck is he counting for? It's a fucking death match. Right. Death match is supposed to be fucking no DQ. No count. Count out. What the fuck happened in this match, man? Did uh, again, I don't know if time ran out and they whispered in the refs here, just start counting. I don't know what happened, but I think something got fucked up in this match. I don't know any. Any death match that's ever had fucking countouts. This is uh, it's basically pin your opponent or he's fucking he, he's knocked the fuck out. It's a very weird dynamic because like kayfabe wise, they wanted to put over how it was sort of hard to believe that Adam Page could beat this guy because he's so much bigger and stronger than he is. But then in the reality of things, we haven't seen Archer in months, so we know that there's no way in hell that he's just going to magically walk on and win the world title. Right. So it was a very weird sort of like the story that they want to tell is that it's it's impossible. It's going to be really hard for him to for Page to win. But then in reality, you know that Archer is not going to win. So it, was, it became this weird blurred line of reality that they were trying to <laughs> like tightrope walk against i feel like they they had him get counted out because it it just they didn't want him to get pinned i guess but it doesn't really that doesn't make sense because it's like he's it's not just him losing like this kind of random match to you know whoever chuck taylor or whatever you're like you're losing to the world champion he's supposed to be the best guy in the company you could have him lose that way it's not that big of a deal but i don't know what i don't know what that was about i don't know and i I get what you're saying they're kind of in a catch-22 when you don't want your champion to lose but you don't want the other guy to fucking lose you want to keep this guy strong you want to keep this guy champion i get where you're going you're in that kind of damned if you do damned if you don't kind of situation but when you're in that situation and if you can see it ahead of time which Again, if they ran out of time and they did this, all right, fine. They struggled. And 
AEW is not really known for having these fuck finishes, if you will. Right. So I, I see that. But if you saw this ahead of time, don't have the fucking match. Yeah, I get that. Work around it. Don't have the fucking match. Or have Hangman go out there and beat beat the shit out of Lance Archer and the, the, the bell never rings and the show ends. The match never really happens. There's that way to do it too. Or or uh, or Archer goes out there, beats the shit out of Hangman. One of the two could, either one of them could have worked with the match not even fucking starting. But when you say it's a fucking death match and you got these guys outside the ring for a good, I would say 70% of the fucking match and then you count someone out at the end, you just fucked yourself. This is not a good look on AEW. Right. Whether, I don't care if it came down to a fucking time limit or what, this just wasn't a fucking good look. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was very odd. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, and what I wanted to point out, actually, too, now that I think about it, is um, during that, during the Keith Lee match, it was like kind of easy to get lost on because Keith Lee was the focus of that. You had Matt Hardy out there with you know Private Party because he manages them and whatnot. Well, as the match became more and more one sided, uh, Matt Hardy like jumped the barricade and walked out. And Jim Ross put over on commentary how that was very erratic behavior. So, like, basically, oh. they're just punching you right in the face with, hey, guys, Jeff Hardy's coming soon. Yeah, that, uh, I didn't see that, but that definitely, uh, that definitely seems like a tease to me. And a little mm-hmm. shot at- As somebody pointed out, he basically left the exact same way that Jeff Hardy just sort of exited WWE, just right in the middle of a match, right through the barricade, through the crowd. Little shot there. I like that. I like that. Um, <laughs> But I, I guess to get back to the main event that we were in the middle of there, um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's just so weird that they, they, again, like I said, I get the catch twenty two they were in, but there were so many ways to go around this, and I just don't get why they fucking did it like this. But um, Eric wanted me to say that uh, listen, in no way am I putting down the match itself. These guys went out there and fucking killed themselves. And Eric wanted me to say that uh, Adam Hangman Adam Page proved himself to the haters tonight. He's a legitimate, worthy champion. Um, I I do agree. I do agree. And he's obviously going back to the horrible take by Mr. Uh, that David guy that's on that pro wrestling world group that we always yeah. read his bad takes. Um. I, I, I do agree. This was not a bad match at all. The ending was just fucking very odd. Um, anyway, after the match, we get pages down there just fucking bleeding. Again, he's got that fucking dark blood going on. Cole comes out, and you're like, oh, my God, is he gonna, this going to be longer? He comes out, hangs the belt on Paige's shoulder, and walks away. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a little bit of show of respect, in my opinion, is what that was. I guess the rumor is, is that he's going to be the one challenging him at Revolution. That makes sense. That makes sense. But still, this little show of respect was kind of cool. That's not going to be this fucking crazy fucking match. But again, I just think this match was a little bit... Maybe not even necessary, but the ending was just completely fucked up, in my opinion. So, 
I don't know, man. That's uh, I think that's all we got, man. There's a bit of a head scratcher, yeah, in terms of the end of the main event. I one last thing. What did you think about Jake Roberts' shirt? That was an interesting choice, huh? Interesting choice, absolutely. A uh, little, little odd pattern going on there, but uh, hey, he's old. And it's like part disco, part bowling shirt. It was a very weird situation. It was I a very mean, weird situation. It's like I, I, he's sober now, but I'm not entirely sure. Like you know, if he didn't have, wouldn't have bought in that shirt like a couple of years ago when he wasn't, because it was a very weird shirt. Well, disco and bowling were big back then. Yeah, it's true. And disco bowling was big. No. Oh yeah, the fucking the shit where they like turn the lights off and they have the little fucking flashing color changing lights and you're playing loud music. Yeah, it's. A lot of black lights back in those days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd 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 leave your girl, and she'd come back with white spots all over her face. Uh, <laughs> it happens. Good days, good times. I don't remember. Anyway, it's always important to moisturize. Anyway, I think we can go ahead and get out of here, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gone through everything that there is to go through. I honestly don't even feel like doing plugs right now. I have to pee really bad for about the last, I'd say, 50 to 245 minutes. So we will go ahead and skip plugs. We will be back here next Wednesday, same time, right around 9.15 and, or 10.15 Eastern time. And uh, that's about it, man. Good fucking show. And uh, thank everybody for jumping on in the chat room. Thank everybody for downloading. Just thanks, everybody. And we're going to get the fuck out of here. What do you say, Smart? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. See you. Adios. All right. Oh, shit. I didn't even play Take Your Drunken Ass Home. Let me play that at least. Jesus. All right. There you go, folks. Have a good one. Too, too many guys at the bar. It's starting to look silly. We're going home. Time to take your drunken ass home.